is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Wednesday, I think it is. Yes, something like that. The 12th. Oh, the 12th of the 12th of the 12th. We've got news about that, yes. Is it today that the world is supposed to end? Or is is it today or is it the 21st? I don't know. There's crazy Mayans. Stroke Mayans. Who knows? Uh, Lots coming up on the show today, including... I need... I'll go into more detail later. I I do need a little bit of help buying a secret Santa present. I've no idea. I've got... I've never worked in an office, and suddenly I'm in an office environment, and I'm being forced to do office-y things, like hanging out with people and sitting behind a computer and being involved in a secret Santa. I can't say who it is. It's so, if you listen to the station regularly, it's someone who you'll know. I can give you, I can give you a few clues, but I, I need some tips. We'll talk about that later. Other slightly more important things coming up on the show include a big plan to demolish flats in South Oxy leaves residents worried about their future. They could be moved as far away as Hemel. Find out why and what the council is prepared to do about it. You heard in the news there, the news there that a judge has described a graffiti gang who caused £150,000 worth of damage as talented artists. A Milton Keynes charity which helps young people agrees. Do, do you think graffiti is ever acceptable? Is it an eyesore or modern art? And it's 21 years, we've been banging on about this for 21 years, it feels like. It's 21 years since Luton Town Football Club last played on AstroTurf last week. We tried to bring it all back together, but we were hampered because of an act of God. Weather, snow. Is it going to happen today? I don't know. It's in my running order. That, that means literally nothing these days. If you want to get in touch, you go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. You can send us a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, residents in one part of Watford fear this could be the last Christmas they spend in their homes. People who live in South Oxy have been told their flats are to be demolished as part of a giant regeneration of the town centre, and they could be moved as far away as Hemel. Well, I think the reporter Victoria Cook is here with more details. Morning, Victoria. Morning. Why, why is this happening? Well, to give you a bit of background, South Oxy is a housing estate which I think most people involved in, in this entire story will agree that they, it does need some re- regeneration. It's a, a shopping precinct which does need updating yep. there's flats above the shops and the whole thing it, it just needs it needs something sprucing up perhaps. Do, it does need sprucing up yeah the council say only two million pounds is being spent in the shops there a year and, and they can do calculations that work out that actually there could be about 33 million pounds spent there a year if the the total amount of people possible spent more money there wow but it's interesting because this community particularly, it's in, obviously in the three counties, it was actually featured in a BBC Two programme. I don't know if you saw it called The Choir. I didn't. That's the, the one with that little fellow, isn't it? Who's very Gareth popular. Malone. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> he, he went into towns and he tried to create choirs. And I think it's fair to say he went into towns where you wouldn't perhaps imagine people would be into yes. singing choral music. But he, he did that and he did it with the aim of trying to bring communities together and and. It was interesting in South Oxy. It's quite interesting. We've got a clip here from the programme. It's interesting to listen back to... This is what happened kind of towards the end of the programme, people's reactions to it. Just seeing people together here, it's, it's, just, it's just really nice. It makes you quite proud to, uh, to come from South Oxy, actually, which not many people would say. Didn't expect to see such more talent come from South Oxy. Quite proud to have it done here. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to get all them people together and sound like that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, it's spectacular. Really, really good. Yeah, a really good thing for the whole community to get everyone together. Yeah, yeah brilliant for South Oxy. The amount of people yeah. who turned out today. Yeah. It's 
absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Really good day. Everyone's really enjoyed it. Well, it sounds like everyone was coming together there. The community was, was kind of all joining up. It was it was a real thing, a really positive thing for the community. Um, and this is really where the problem lies. The, the council plans to demolish all the shops and the flats above them to make way for a new development. There are around 100 council properties above the shops. And the council has been clear in saying no, no plans have been finalised yet. At this particular stage in time, there's no finalised plans. But it's the fear within the community mm. as to what's going to happen. The people who live above the shops have no idea what's going to happen to them when the demolition begins, including Margaret and her granddaughter, Frankie. No, we haven't been told anything about where we're moving. In fact, we haven't been told anything much at all. It's just that there's rumours going around that we have to move out of the area, and I could guarantee 99% of people don't want to do that. I have a five-year-old son who goes to school round the corner from where I live and if we was to move off the estate, his whole life at school would be disrupted and he wouldn't have any friends there and it wouldn't be fair on him. We don't get towed very much and things are still on hold so we don't know what is really happening. We could be moved to any area, which is not what people want. And he's only just started full-time, just settled in, just made friends and I wouldn't want to have to uproot him and start all over again. Everybody knows everybody. You've got a good group of people. And it would, personally, I think it would just ruin South Boxy. And as they're saying, they're going to put us anywhere. It, a lot of families have got families here that's been here for years and they don't want to move. It's fine if they want to house me where I want to be, but if they're going to try and move me off the estate, I we lost to be honest from what the rumours are saying it doesn't sound like it's local moving it sounds like it's further away and I'm not a driver so I'll just be stuck there what have the residents been told so far well, people have been invited to a few public meetings where proposals have been discussed. This formal planning application process hasn't even started yet. That's likely to happen next summer after a developer has been chosen and then the f- residents will be formally consulted on the final design. Well, the local canon, Pam Wise from All Saints Church, has been to the meetings and said at first she was quite pleased to see some of the plans, but as time has progressed, she's now extremely worried that the amount of social housing won't be enough and there won't be enough retail spaces for the shops. I would like to think and very much hope that everybody who currently lives in South Oxy is going to be given the assurance that they will be able to live in South Oxy after the redevelopment. Because without that, they're taking away people's homes, communities, their lives. I've been in many places and I've never lived anywhere where there is a community like this one which is so close. I mean literally if you don't know somebody you know somebody who knows somebody everybody knows everybody. That community is important to these people. There is a national need for social housing at the moment but this is an area where social housing is absolutely key Will that social housing that is there at the moment be replaced by social housing? Because without that, they are breaking up the community. Any council has a duty to people, to the lowest paid in their communities. A duty to provide that housing, which is there at the moment. Are people still going to feel that this is their South Oxy?
Well, three Rivers District Council weren't able to join us on the programme today, but Alan Head, who's leading the project, has said all tenants and leaseholders will be treated fairly. He says we've been having meetings with Thrive Homes to agree to a proposal for tenants. South Oxy is a great place to live and we aim for people to continue to live in the area if that's what they wish. Well, I asked them, can you confirm that tenants will be offered alternative accommodation locally? They said yes. Their hope is to provide accommodation within the area or at least what they say within the Three Rivers District area. And you kind of need to look at a map to realise mm. that sort of goes up all the way up to Hem or Hempstead. Yeah. Yep, I asked them, uh, can you confirm that tenants will be offered... Oh, sorry, what is um, happening for the shopkeepers? They said that they will be offered retail spaces in the new pre- precinct. They'll be given the first option on that. And in terms of dates, this is going to be going on for a few years. Nothing's happening overnight. It could go on as, as long as 2017. But at the moment, it's just about the fear of the residents mm. and how that's being addressed by the council. And also, if it's going on for years, then the residents have got to worry about it for years. Without any- Victoria, thank you very much for coming in. Much appreciated. 08459 455 555. We'd love to hear from you if, if you're involved or live near there. You worried about it or do you think it's a good idea? Speak to you after this. I'd never even heard of the phrase Secret Santa until a week ago when I was collared by Jan, who works here and is fantastic and organises these things. But suddenly I'm involved in a thing where I've got to buy a present for someone I don't really know. I've only been here 20 minutes. I don't know people. I've got to spend between five and ten pounds on a gift for someone. There's a lot of pressure. Any suggestions? 08459 455 555 will be gratefully appreciated. Please, I'm desperate. Can I just say, the next song coming up, right, we're going to play the second, we'll go to Justin first, but the next song coming up is one of the greatest overlooked pop songs of the 80s. It really is fantastic. If it's a song I think... Justin Dealey. Oh, Ian, good morning. Do you know what song contains a line, I know what it means to work hard on machines? No. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> it's, I think it's the song coming up next. Right, OK. It's, 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 wo- it. it's one of the best songs of the 80s, and this group, I admire this group, because they have not once cashed in on the 80s nostalgia. They've not done one of those here and now tours or anything like that. They, they did their hits in the 80s, and they left it at that. Is it mental as anything? It's bonkers! No. <laughs> now, listen, for Justin Dealey, we've, for goodness sakes, please make this end today. Yes, yes. We have been banging on the, about this for about 21 years, it yes, feels like. Yes, yes. 21 years since uh, Luton Town last played on an AstroTurf pitch. We're getting it back together. We tried to do it last week. The snow hampered our plans. Mm. We, we have literally dragged you off your holiday <laughs> to come in and work an unpaid day. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know. Well, it, that's the case. Yeah, uh, we're doing the AstroTurf today, Justin. What is happening. We are. I'm here in the car park and the radio car, which is a fairly big car. I'm sure people have seen it before on their travels, all branded up. I'm in the back of the car with loads and loads of, listen to this, Luton Town Astrata from 1991. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. We've had messages right the way across the world. Randomly, we are getting the pitch back together. So this morning, we're going to be live at the Luton Sports Village. The Luton Town legend, Kingsley Black, he's going to be there. Kingsley Black's going to be there. Kingsley Black is going to be there. Can you Kingsley Black. The Kingsley Black. He's going to be there. Somebody's coming down with a penalty spot. Um, We've got uh, some other people coming down as well. A live band. So if you do do have a piece of the old plastic pitch, come and join us. We're going to be there all morning. We haven't really mentioned it this week, and the reason being because we thought it might snow again. (laughs) We we, we were so worried that it was going (laughs) to snow, we didn't pick it up. So we might have to ring 100 people, but no, it's definitely on this morning. So if you have a piece of the old plastic, however big or small, come and join us at the Luton 
Sports Village in Stopsley. We're going to be there in around ten minutes. And can I just say, I, I can't give any names away because this involves a, a member of staff here at BBC Three yes, Counties. Yes, A member of staff has lost their partners, I'm being as vague as I can, their partner's AstroTurf, mm-hmm. OK? Mm-hmm. So if you have got a bit of AstroTurf, I'm not saying any names... Probably said too much already. <laughs> if you have got a bit of AstroTurf you want to sell, this person will pay top dollar for it. Well, I- I've got loads of it here. They can have it in return for a pay rise. So it should be quite an interesting <laughs> morning. Justin Dealey will speak to you later on. This, honestly, is one of the best songs of the 80s, right? And heaven knows why this group didn't get back together and do a little cash-in tour. This is wonderful. I'll shut up and you can enjoy this now. Come on! Come on, the Thompson Twins! They were from New Zealand, I think. I think. I don't know. No, no. Why did they... Are they, are they dead? I, it's, it's always amazed me. The Thompson Twins... But I got the wrong lyrics. I know what it means to work hard on machines, of course. You're all shouting at the radio as you take me up by the Thompson Twins. Why did they never cash in on that 80s nostalgia? pay between 20 and 27 pounds 50 to see these guys in concert totally okay well the, the 21 years since uh, Luton Town played on the AstroTurf we've managed to get the AstroTurf back together can we get the Thompson Twins back together on BBC Three Counties Radio quick someone put a call into New Zealand I'm sure they'd be over the moon to hear from us love it I think it's going to be Thompson Twin Day in my car today Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five graffiti. How much graffiti is there where you live? Well, yesterday, 21-year-old Kieran Cummings was sentenced to two years in prison for his part in causing £150,000 worth of damage to trains and tube ca- uh, carriages. The judge said he was a talented artist. Well, now an organisation helping young people in Milton Keynes says his work should be appreciated. Rosie Thurston works for Make a Difference, which provides activities for young people. She's been talking to our reporter, who is not a young person, Tony Fisher. So... Rosie, we're outside the buzzy. We're in between the, the sort of legal art wall and the illegal art wall in the underpass. The illegal one doesn't look very good. The legal one does look good. So can you explain the difference? Um, yeah, it's, it's time and support. Uh, the legal graffiti wall, um, people have the freedom to, to draw up designs and, and spend time putting it together. Uh, and you can, you can tell from the quality of the work that's on that wall that that we back what people do here and we, we want to give people a space to be creative. Um, and then you walk 500 metres down the path to the to the underpass where it, were, it was untouched and all it takes is for one person to take a can and spray something. Um, that isn't very nice. Uh, there's a lot of language um, and the quality of the work is just it's really poor. And they do it yeah. in a hurry just so in case they get caught, I suppose? Uh, yeah, it's called throwing up, so that they know they're doing it illegally, so they don't want to be caught by the police. So it's a case of spray as quickly as you can, whatever you can, and, and get out of there. Uh, throwing up? <laughs> that's what it's called, yeah. <laughs> throwing up something onto the wall. <laughs> now, Kieran Cummings was part of this gang who was arrested. Now, what he was doing, I suppose, was technically illegal, otherwise he wouldn't have been put in prison. Yeah, it, it was his work in London. That, that it was it was illegal work, but it's it's a real shame. I think the part of the graffiti culture that it is they they find whatever spots they can. But again, it's it's partly not being supported as well. Um, I think if they were given more places to paint, 
and to and to show off their work because um, Kieran's incredibly talented. Um, if he had the space to do something positive, um, no doubt he'd do it. Just to explain, you know Kieran because he used yeah. to work here with you at the Buzzy, didn't he? Yeah, so Kieran's painted up here quite a lot. And then um, we, we really got on with Kieran, like, lovely guy. And we, we then recruited him to come and work with us for Make a Difference. And he helped um, teach young people, so little children, how to, how to design work and, and how to paint legally. So we were painting onto canvases and, and boards and things like that. And he, he was brilliant, really good. The kids absolutely loved him. Um, he never once would support painting illegally. It was all about the technique and actually how much work goes into producing a piece. It's uh, an, an artwork. So Kieran didn't advocate illegal graffiti or anything like that, but he still he still went away and did it, but that's because he didn't have any other outlets. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it's not for me to say why he did it. <laughs> um, I think, as I said before, it's part of the graffiti nature and, and living in London and as in London, it's a place where there's there's not much space um it's it's, they paint on trains and all sorts of things like that's obviously where a lot of the damage has come from is painting on expensive (laughs) items um we can't say that we support kieran and and what he did on that but what we can say is that we know he's he's a good guy and his work should really be appreciated um it's a shame that there's not more legal places that they can do it. Well, there's Tony Fisher there. Uh, I, I want to ask, is graffiti ever acceptable? When I was younger, I kind of thought, yeah, hey, you know, it's self-expression. We need a ch- we need a chance to express ourselves. As I get older, I think, oh, for God's sakes, grow up. Go and buy a notepad. Do some drawing in that. Don't spray on a wall. I've had graffiti on my wall before. It's a pain in the backside to get rid of. Maybe you disagree. 08459 555. Is graffiti ever acceptable on fm am and online bbc three counties radio morning lots coming up in the, in the next hour in lee by the way lots coming up in the next half hour including we think we found the most festive street in the three counties 20 houses in milton Keynes have all gone uh, uh, have gone all out sorry i do apologize <laughs> let me let me read that again have gone all out with decorating their houses for charity we'll tell you in a few minutes where it is I need some help buying a present, a secret Santa present, where you pull names out of a hat and then you spend between five and ten pounds on that person. I can't say who it is, um, but uh, any suggestion... I've got no idea. I don't even know what to buy my wife for Christmas. How am I going to know what to buy a random person I've only worked with for 20 minutes? And Justin Dealey is reuniting Luton Town's AstroTurf after 21 years. If you want to give us a call about that or about graffiti or anything else, 08459 455 555. Oh, it's nearly Christmas. Oh, less than two weeks now till Christmas. Who's excited? I am very excited. Very exciting. Jonathan Vernon-Smith and myself are doing a Boxing Day show. It's, it's pre-recorded. I warn you that now. We're recording it tomorrow. Uh, so that, it's exciting. Very exciting. I believe we're going to have, like, the Brussels sprouts in the studio. Is that true? We're going to have Brussels sprouts, which I think are one of the greatest overlooked vegetables of all time. Maybe we'll do that as a phone in one day. Not today, and not while I'm here. Now, it is less than two weeks until Christmas, and you may have spotted houses across the three counties where people have gone all out to celebrate the festive season. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Jessica Cooper has found a street in Milton Keynes where 20 houses are all lit up. 
the group of residents in Summerhaze in Great Linford, have raised more than £20,000 for Will in Hospice over the last nine years. Well, this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. We've got blue lights, yellow lights, red lights, pink lights, flashing lights, glittery lights, <laughs> lights everywhere on Summerhaze in Great Linford. And I can't believe I haven't heard this before because this has been happening for a number of years. I'm joined by Nick Mende, who's one of the residents here. Nick, we're on your drive and your house is glitzing in the dark. It is. How did you all come up with this idea? Well, about 16 years ago, we all two or three people had lights in their windows. Uh, it escalated over the next two or three years from that where it began to become a bit of a competition. Uh, then we got secretive about it and we'd all turn them on separately then we thought hang on let's be more collaborative and it built up and then got out of control as it is now let's take a little walk around the cul-de-sac okay. here so there's about um 12 15 houses that are taking that. part yep. Yep. and over here we've got a giant santa in somebody's driveway inflatable is that inflatable that inflates every night yeah right and people come along and they have their photos taken in front of it they bring their cameras and their cell phones and we've got Rudolph on a roof over there. Flying Ladders. between the houses. Oh, flying between the houses. between the houses, yeah. <laughs> so does it look like this every year or is it different even? It, it, it's basically the same, but there's, there's always new bits people buy. Um, so it's always slightly different, yeah. When I first arrived, and there were quite a lot of people here, so this is becoming a, a tourist attraction. It is a tourist attraction. Uh, we actually turn the lights on on the first Saturday of December, whatever date that happens to be. It's always the first Saturday. It's always 6.30. We don't get together and have a meeting. We just do it. Oh, and we have a brass band, MK Brass, come along, and uh, when the lights go on, the brass band plays. There's normally about two or 300 people here. This year, I think there was over 300. And so you could be doing this for the fun of it, or you yes. could be doing it for something much more worthwhile. What do you do it for? We're actually doing it for Will and Hospice. We started that about eight years ago. Uh, before that, we just did it for the fun of it. Then we were persuaded, let's actually turn this into something really worthwhile. So people make donations? Absolutely. We've got collecting pots, one outside the big centre and one behind me um, by my house. And uh, they're solid metal things and people chuck money in them and then we give it away to Will and Hospice. So how much money do you raise then? Uh, we've raised 23000 so far since we've been doing it. This year we want to try and top 25000 So uh, we need loads of people to come round and see the lights. So that's 25000 over 10, ten eight, years? Eight or years. So. Eight, eight years. years, yeah. Eight yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Do you foresee it getting bigger than this with other houses taking part down the other streets? Other houses. I mean, if you look up the top, you'll see that other houses are, in fact, joining in. One of the um, neighbours up the top has actually got an arrow because people used to overshoot the cul-de-sac. So there's an arrow there so people don't miss it. But actually, it's spread to the other cul-de-sacs now. It won't be long before it's the whole of Summerhays. Another five years. <laughs> what does it feel like for you to draw back your curtains, look at this, what you've achieved, all of you in this cul-de-sac? How do you feel? It's actually fabulous, because when you look out, and particularly when you see children walking round, some of the kids come around and say, this is Christmas Street, which is lovely. Um, and Christmas Eve, it's really busy, and often people bring their children around just before they put them to sleep, and ready to wake up on Christmas morning. If you want to have a look, it was Jessica Cooper, our reporter there. If you want to have a look, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, and obviously they're raising a lot of money for charity, which is fantastic. 
what on earth are their electricity bills like, for goodness sakes? Imagine if you were in that street and you just wanted, like, a quiet Christmas. <laughs> you want it nice and quiet, nice and dark. You wouldn't get it there. Oh, you wouldn't get it there. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Boom, 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 chaka, boom. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Red. It's some good music this morning, isn't it? Uh, if you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555. By the way, this thing about the Secret Santa, it ain't no puff and bluster. I'm, I'm seriously worried about this. So don't sit there thinking, oh, this is a jolly little thing. No, I'm genuinely worried about what I'm going to buy someone. It's a woman. I've got to spend between five and ten pounds on a woman. Can you help me, please? It's Taylor Swift. Red, well, I'm tapping my toes to that, so that, that's got to be a good sign, hasn't it? You can't fight the toe tap. If it happens, it happens. See, I like a bit of country. I like a bit of country pop. There might be a, a, a vaguely country-inspired bit of music on the Boxing Day special that Jonathan Vernon Smith and myself are doing. They've made a terrible mistake in letting us play our own music on that Boxing Day special. I know. It's going to be a car crash of sound. I'm not quite sure, because we came up with the idea of, hey, let's do a show for Boxing Day. We'll pre-record it. It'll be lovely, and we'll put it out, and we'll invoice them. Everyone will be happy. And then it's kind of been taken over. I've got no idea what's actually going to be happening. There's some kind of quiz. That's it. That's all I know. I'm a little bit worried. Now, it's the 12th of the 12th of the 12th. Exciting, huh? Isn't it? The, apparently the world is ending on Saturday, according to the Mayans, stroke Mayans. So, we've got a few days to go. Well, are you excited about 12-12-12? It gets even better. Because at 12 seconds, past 12 minutes, past 12, on the 12th of the 12th of the 12th, Nick Coffer, yeah, uh, from our afternoon show, is doing something special. He needs your help. I spoke to him the other day... And he let me know what was going on. This date and this second, this moment in time, is not going to happen for a very, very long time. I'm going to live it up. So, at 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12 today, 12. we're going to take a snapshot of life across beds, hearts and bucks. Yes. So, I want listeners to help us this afternoon by taking a photo of whatever they're doing at 12 seconds... Pu- hey, yeah. anything. Wowzers. <laughs> Pretty well. Whatever they're doing that I can mention on air, Thank at you. 12 seconds past 12 minutes past 12 o'clock today, it of course doesn't have to be entirely serious. But we want to take a snapshot of what we're up to across beds, hearts and bucks today. And of course, you're very welcome to phone me uh, while we're on air on the usual number 08459 455 555 to tell me how you celebrated the 12 12 12 on the 12 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. And then do they send these pictures into you? Yeah, there's two ways they can send them in. They can either email them to nick at bbc.co.uk or or to the usual text number, we can take photos on the usual text number. So can 81, we? 81333. Start your text with 3CR and we get photos. Oh, that as, opens as, up a whole world of possibilities. A whole world of fun. Or post them on the Facebook page, just do a search for BBC Three Counties Radio. But we, we thought, because it's such a unique second, it's not even a date, it's a unique second, what a nice moment to get a snapshot of what everyone is doing across beds, hearts and bucks. I'm expecting to see offices, shops. Yep. I'm doing it homes cars yeah don't take photos while you're driving no and, and we don't need expert photos just just use your smartphone or your, your little camera we don't we don't need anything flash excellent stuff i am will be taking a photograph if i'm awake at that moment in time i might be having a, i might be having a doze it's possible but if not i will I, I'll, I'll do my best definitely i'm gonna do it i'm contractually obliged to do it so and to panic over us apologies i did say the world ended on saturday uh, it doesn't it ends next friday the 21st so got a few more days to go on the subject of graffiti is it ever acceptable? Really? Dave Chu has uh, texted in. Uh, he says, when it's well done and in a suitable place and not offensive. In Stopsley, there's a park next to the fire station, and the wall there has had some amazing work on it over the years. 
Chris Knox says, it's been there for ages. I like it. I watched him do it. I kind of wanted to, to, to join in. I'm not sure I agree. I'm not a fan of, uh... Justin Dealey, are you a fan of graffiti? Um, no. You ever done it? No. I did it once. I wrote a, I wrote a rude word. There was... Do you remember Matt Marsden? Why doesn't this surprise me? Yeah, you carry on. Go Matt, Matt Marsden was, yeah. like, in Emmerdale and a bit of a singer and stuff, and I saw a post of him, and I wrote a, a rude word beginning with T, not that one, <laughs> the other one, on his yeah. forehead. That's the only time <laughs> I've done it, and I, I, I'm thoroughly ashamed. Well, there was some graffiti about me once, um, uh, at a local youth club, which I can't go into right now, <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, it held <laughs> it for years. Just Justin, what is, what's happening today? AstroTurf reunited. Hey, listen, you talk about 12-12-12. Today is special because we are getting the Luton Town pitch back together 21 years on. This is the world's first ever AstroTurf reunion. Are you excited, Ian? Yay! Thank you. Uh, so we're here this morning at the Luton Sports Village. Uh, I've got quite a few surprises in store after seven. I'll be exclusively revealing which Walt Disney film the Luton Town AstroTurf appeared in. We have Neil Bavister coming down. He stole the penalty spot. Lots of pitch here already. But why is the history of this pitch so important? The Hatters played on the plastic from 1985 to 1991, and they beat all the top sides along the way. I've been talking to Roger Washley. Luton Town's historian. Sadly, he can't be with us today, but this is what happened when we caught up on Saturday. So, Roger, we have some very famous AstroSurf here. Tell us what you got. Right, I've got a, an original piece from 1985. Um, as it was being laid, it's a piece that came off, so it's unsullied, unspat upon, uh, <laughs> unplayed upon a uh, piece of turf. I've also got a souvenir from when it was eventually rolled up in 1991 uh, in a plastic case. And this is the original piece from 1985. What's your memories of that night when the world's press turned up here at Kenilworth Road? Well, they didn't turn up on the first game uh, en masse. That was against Nottingham Forest. That was on a Saturday afternoon. But they turned up a few weeks later when we played Arsenal at home. And they all went away highly favourable because it was a, a lot better than QPR's surface, which had already been down four years. So Luton's was a vast improvement on QPR's. Um, it was only perhaps a year later when we started beating teams like Liverpool, and Everton, who were the top two teams at the side, and Kenny Dalgleish and Howard Kendall started moaning yeah. about it, that gradually uh, it turned and yeah. suddenly we were prized. And it didn't help with having a ban on away supporters at the time as well. My memories of Kenny Dalgleish moaning about the pitch, just absolutely wonderful. Well, his side were beaten before they even yeah. got onto the pitch, really, because he was moaning for a fortnight beforehand. But Luton's home record over the six years they had the artificial pitch was no better or no worse than it was before. And in fact, it was a disadvantage to Luton because they had to play on grass every other week. My happiest memory would be the semi-final in 1988 against Oxford, a 2-0 win. What's your happiest memory on the plastic? Well, that certainly is up there at the top, um, together with the 3-0 beating of Liverpool in the Cup, the 4-1 beating of Liverpool in the league, um, various other top sides like Manchester United being beaten on the artificial surface. And just lastly, all of this AstroTurf here, when Luton Town do eventually get a museum, hopefully in the near future, this is where the AstroTurf will be going. Certainly will, yes. There's, uh, I've got thousands of items that can't wait to be seen by people, really, and uh, it's a shame we can't do it at the moment, but one day it'll all be there for everybody to see exciting stuff we're reuniting it later in the show BBC Three Counties Radio first for news Catherine Boyle yes you're a woman uh, yes you have women's needs don't you of course uh, I have to buy I'm involved in this blooming secret Santa thing are you doing it <laughs> yes uh, right, I have to buy a present mm -hmm. for a woman right between uh, five and ten pounds what do girls like I I'm kind of thinking um, maybe some tights 
Yeah, I wouldn't go hosiery. It's a bit intimate. Okay, uh, that is it. Is that? Yeah. Oh, of course, it's. Yeah. There's a. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how well do you know this woman? Uh, not intimately, you I know. Mean, is it me? Because if it's me, then definitely go over and above the budget. It's definitely not you. Okay, well, stick within the budget then. I'm thinking cake. Cake, I can do cake. Thank you, Catherine. Cake's not a bad idea, is it? I do, I'm genuinely worried about this. I, this is the kind of thing... I know on the radio I'm super confident and uh, full of it, some would say. Uh, uh, full of myself, some might, might, uh, might put forward. But in real life, things like this make me so anxious. I will have sleepless nights about this. I have to buy... A present for a woman at BBC Three Counties Radio between five and ten pounds in a secret Santa. Any suggestions, please? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And I've never done one of these secret Santas before. If you have, if you've been in one, what presents have you received? Maybe that's a way around it. If, if you tell me what things you've received in a secret Santa at work in the office, then that might give me some ideas. So, 08459 455 555. What have you received in your secret Santa? Other, perhaps slightly more important things coming up in the next hour of the show. Families in council homes in South Oxy could be moved as far away as Hemel because of plans to regenerate the area. The MP for South West Hertfordshire, David Gork, will be joining me on the show next. We'll find out what he thinks about the plans. Graffiti. Is it ever acceptable? Many of you have gone onto our Facebook page to say, actually, you think it's all right. It's after a judge described as a graffiti gang who caused £150,000 worth of damage as talented artists. And we are finally reuniting the Luton Town AstroTurf from 21 years ago. Bad weather, fog, mist. It's not going to stop us this time. Justin Dealey is at the Luton Sports Village in Stopsley getting the turf ready. Go down there, say hello to him, shake him by the hand, pat him on the back and give him a man hug. Because he says he's got a lot of surprise in store for us. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. We'll be updating it with pictures throughout the show. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. And do give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Residents in one part of Watford feared this could be the last Christmas that they spend in their homes. People who live in South Oxy have been told their flats are to be demolished as part of a giant regeneration of the town centre, and they could be moved as far away as Hemel. The South Oxy community near Watford was featured on the BBC Two programme The Choir, Unsung Town. The aim was to pull the community together and build a choir, and it seemed to be a bit of a success. Just seeing people together here, it's, it's, just, it's just really nice. It makes you quite proud to, uh, to come from South Oxy, actually, which not many people would say. Didn't expect to see such raw talent come from South Oxy. Quite proud to have it done here. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to get all them people together and sound like that. It's yeah, just, well, it's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, it's spectacular. Really, really good. Yeah, a really good thing for the whole community to get everyone together. Yeah, yeah brilliant for South Oxy. The amount of people yeah. who turned out today... Fantastic. Really good day. Everyone's really enjoyed it. Well, they bonded over the show, but now that community worries it will be torn apart. The council's plans to demolish shops and flats have left residents anxious that they may be moved as far away as Hemel Hempstead, including Margaret and her granddaughter Frankie. There's rumours going round that we have to move out the area, and I could guarantee 99% of people don't want to do that. I have a five-year-old son who goes to school round the corner from where I live and if we was to move off the estate, his whole life at school would be disrupted. We don't get towed very much and things are still on hold so we don't know what is really happening. 
We could be moved to any area, which is not what people want. It's fine if they want to house me where I want to be, but if they're going to try and move me off the estate, I'll be lost, to be honest. Well, Member of Parliament for South West Hertfordshire, David Gork, joins us now. Morning, David. Good morning. Uh, it, it's important to note that no plans have been finalised in South Oxy, but as the local MP, what, what can you do to allay some of the peer, fears of the people that y- you've got there? Well, I think I can understand uh, the reason why people are concerned. I think the first point to make is that the, the potential redevelopment uh, of the centre there is, 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 is a good idea. It's something that does need to be done uh, as an area. It, 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 it is, to be honest, looking tired. And a redevelopment is something that I support. I think it would be good for South Oxy. But understandably, there is anxiety. There's something like 98 um, Thrive Home properties uh, that are likely to be affected. And there are also some uh, privately owned uh, properties also likely to be affected. It's a fairly major redevelopment. And, of course, individuals are going to be concerned and will fear the worst whilst there's a period of uncertainty. And I know that the council have been trying to consult and uh, set out their plans. I think the more they can do of that, the the better. And the sooner they can end this period of uncertainty, uh, the better, because uh, people will, as I say, always fear the worst. Uh, And um, it may well be necessary that that, that, that some numbers will have to be relocated, but... South Oxy is a close-knit community. People aren't going to want to move out of the area uh, altogether. You tend to find you know, generation after generation living on the estate. But they, 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 they will have to move out of the area, won't they? The, the Three Rivers District Council says it hopes new accommodation will be provided in South Oxy area and says it will certainly be provided within the Three Rivers District. But that's massive. Abbots Langley, Hemel Hempstead, Watford, it, it, it could be moved. Well, it could, yeah, it could, it could well run up to, uh, to Abbots Langley, which is right the other side of Watford and very hard to get from, from, from Abbots Langley to South Oxy. So I, I, certainly I, I would encourage and I'm cu- encouraging uh, the local authority to uh, provide as much accommodation as possible for those who are having to relocate within South Oxy. And also we've, we've been uh, featuring on the, on the show this week that there is uh, a shortage of social housing, isn't there? So, so where are they going to go? Where, where is yeah, this I mean, housing going to come the, from? The, the, these, I think that's, that's, that's absolutely right and uh, it, it is difficult. I know uh, people coming to my uh, constituency surgeries and so on, there, there is a lack of uh, social housing in the area. It's an expensive uh, by and large, Three Rivers is an expensive place to live. There's not uh, a huge amount of affordable housing uh, in the area. We've got two issues, really. We've got uh, the, if you like, temporary issue of what happens whilst the redevelopment happens. And as you say, we don't know where we are yet. No developer has been appointed. I think the council hope that that will be sorted by, by March. And then there's the longer-term issue is once the redevelopment's done, uh, are there places for people to go back to or how, how are they going to do it? And yeah, both issues are ones that have to be resolved. I know talking to Councillor Ty Harris, for example, who is a South Oxy councillor, that he's working very hard in putting pressure uh, on the council to provide what, answers to, to those questions. What plans, David, are being considered? Please don't tell me that it's going to be like a large supermarket or something. Well, there will be... Um, uh, th- th- there will be a... a a, a, a big shop, I think a supermarket there, um, and I think that's that's probably necessary to get people into. Do we need? Do we really need another big supermarket? They're everywhere. Well, I think one of the one of the issues with um, the, the centre there is that the, the the footfall is not what it was. There used to be a Woolworths there, and that attracted people into the area, and then would go and visit some of the other shops. 
as it is, it can be quiet, um, not all the time, you know, when the market's on, uh, it, it's much more popular, but consistently, uh, there are times when, uh, you know, to be honest, that precinct can be a bit uh, windswept, quiet, not a lot going on. Is it worth... It's necessary to, to try to make it more of a centre so that people can will go along there and... But is it worth people possible. losing their homes and destroying a community for another Tesco's or a Sainsbury's? Well, I think that you have to step back and look at what is the going to be the long-term impact. And if you can have something that is uh, more attractive, that is likely to be more successful in terms of getting shoppers there, um, is likely to be busier, more of a, a focus, more of a successful town centre, if you like, then that is going to be good for South Oxy. But the concerns that are raised by residents are perfectly fair, and uh, there is this period of uncertainty at the moment. I, I think the council are trying to consult as much as possible. There have been several rounds of consultation, but the sooner this uncertainty can come to an end and people know where they stand because you know as 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 we heard on your report you know there are children at school there are families who live close by it is a close-knit community and uh, you know the threat of, of of moving to somewhere like abbots langley uh, cut off from the rest of the community is one that people are obviously going to be concerned about. So. David Gook, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Uh, MP for South West Hertfordshire, and that noise you heard there was me um, destroying the studio in disgust. No, it wasn't. I've got long legs and long limbs, and I knocked over a telephone. Thank you, David. 08459 four double five five double five. Secret Santas. I've got to do one for the first time ever. What did you get as a secret Santa at work? Uh, Alex and Milton Keynes, morning. Hello. Did, have you been part of one of these secret Santas? I have, yeah. Did it make I, you as uncomfortable as it's making me? It kind of did, yeah, because I was quite new to my place of work. Yeah. I didn't really know the person I was buying for. That's the thing, being new. There's a yeah. lot of pressure. What did What did you buy and what did you get? I bought a sort of just a novelty gift that was a bit dodgy. Um, did, hang on, bear in mind we have young ears. Did you buy something <laughs> rude? Slightly rude, yeah, but the recipient did find it very funny. Okay, so. when, when, when I hand you back to my team, I, I, I'd like you to tell them what it, what it was, and they're going to type it on my screen for me. <laughs> and what did, yes. you, what did you receive then, Alex? Got some nail varnish and uh, chocolate. Ooh, now, see, and, and you're, you're a woman, aren't you? Yeah. Did you, and you liked that. Did, 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 did the girls really like nail varnish and chocolate? That sounds like a Sex in the City cliché. Oh, no, it's really useful. The varnish was gorgeous and the chocolate was nice. So. Do you, th- you think if I bought this for this woman, she might be happy with that? I'd imagine she wouldn't mind, yes. Alex, thank you very much indeed. Go back to my team and tell them what the naughty thing was that you bought. I don't know if she would. Heidi says on the text, Secret Santa, you can't go wrong with bath bombs. Bath bombs? Bath bombs are those... It's like a thing you drop in the bath and then it explodes and smells nice. Um... And Shirley Milton says you could get a very nice Dove gift set. That's just, that's soap, isn't it? You can't buy someone soap. You're telling them, yeah, I think you stink. Oh, I'm so anxious about this. I've just been told what Alex and Milton Keynes bought. I'm certainly not buying this lady a chocolate ding-dang. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> She'd be terribly offended. Oh, dear. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Today, we are making history. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not just a flippant, ridiculous knockabout phone-in show where we talk about people walking upstairs and pretending they've got whiplash. No, we make history. We're getting Luton Town Football Club's famous AstroTurf pitch back together 21 years after the Football League banned it. 
Justin Dealey is live at Stopley, uh, Stopsley. Justin, what's the, what's the scene like there? I'm oh. imagining the excitement is, is electric. It is, it is electric. We have a special visitor with us right now. It's freezing this morning, by the way, but minus three here. <laughs> Good. Stopsley, very, very cold. Listen to this. I have something very, very special. It's a special ball. Ooh. And Peter is with me. Peter Little from Westerning. Peter, you're live on Three Counties. Thanks for coming up this morning. Why is this ball so special? Good morning, Justin. Well, it's the match ball from the Derby County Main. The, the last last game on the plastic pitch, we were uh, match ball sponsors on the day, and for some reason I kept it all those years. So this ball is very, very historic. Where was it in your house, then? Well, it was in the safe. It was, yeah. well, it was at the safe at work, more than it. <laughs> <laughs> and when, we, then when, when, the, when the safe went, we kept it in the attic. Wow. I just couldn't throw it away. No, absolutely. And you've even got a photograph of Kingsley Black, who's going to be here later on. Tell us more about the photograph. Well, the whole family there, all the all the chaps who, who support the team, all the, the young children, and the, it was just a great day in the, in the box and, and being that close to the players, meeting the players and, and actually getting the ball at the end of the game. I can still see Mick Hartford putting that ball in the net for, yeah. in the in the kennel throw. It's a fantastic day it was. Unbelievable stuff. So here we have some of the AstroTurf. Here we have the match ball from the last ever game on the AstroTurf. And whilst you're here, very quickly, a quick story on graffiti. Ian's talking about that this morning. What's your graffiti? story well um, my dad was uh, lived and worked in Lee Grave and um, someone put something rather rude about our local MP and my dad went down and covered it up with some pebble dash and it's still there to the day <laughs> so it gives you a chuckle now even when you see it now yeah I think of my dad and I think of what was there before he covered it up yeah, brilliant stuff Peter thank you so much for coming down I cannot believe you've got the match ball and it's still in great condition unbelievable thank you so much have a good day thank you very much there you go so uh, Peter Little there joining us live here in Stopsley at the uh, the Lucent Sports Village here is the match ball we have the AstroTurf after 7.30 in we're going to be telling you which Walt Disney film the Lutonstown AstroTurf appeared in and then later as well the fans will be here with their bits of the pitch and Kingsley Black the Lutonstown legend will be taking a free kick slash penalty because the penalty spot oh, that's on wonderful. the way as well wonderful historians those books you've got chuck them in the bin it starts today <laughs> year zero Justin I, I, listen this all sounds brilliant I'll have yeah. a chat with you later on also can you have a little think mm. this blooming secret Santa thing that you've had <sighs> the sense not to get involved yes, with yes I've got to spend five to ten pounds on a a woman who works here. Uh, right, OK. Yeah, have a little ponder. I'll speak to you yeah, later on on that one. Thing. No worries. No Thank worries. you very much indeed. Now, uh, graffiti. Uh, when I was younger, I kind of thought graffiti, yeah, you know, it's kind of uh, a, a way of self-expression and, you know, young people need a way to, to express themselves and communicate. Uh, n- now I'm older, I think, oh, blimey, it looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. Is there a lot where you live? Well, yesterday, 21-year-old Kieran Cummings was sentenced to two years in prison for his part in causing £150 worth of damage to trains and tube carriages. The judge said he was a talented artist. Now an organisation helping young people in Milton Keynes says his work should be appreciated. Rosie Thurston works for Make a Difference, which provides activities for young people. She's been talking to our old reporter, Tony Fisher. He helped teach young people, so little children, how to, how to design work and, and how to paint legally. So we were painting onto canvases and, and boards and things like that. And he, he was brilliant, really good. The kids absolutely loved him. Um, he never once would support painting illegally it was all about the technique and actually how much work goes into producing a piece it's uh, an, an artwork so kieran didn't advocate illegal graffiti or anything like that but he still he still went away and did it but 
that's because he didn't have any other outlets is that what you're saying yeah i mean it's not for me to say why he did it <laughs> um i think as i said before it's part of the graffiti nature and and living in london and as in london's a, it's a place where there's there's not much space um it's they paint on trains and all sorts of things like that's obviously where a lot of the damage has come from is painting on expensive (laughs) items um we can't say that we support kieran and and what he did on that but what we can say is that we know he's he's a good guy and his work should really be appreciated um it's a shame that there's not more legal places that they can do it we're joined now by Estelle Lovett, who's an art critic and an artist. Morning, Estelle. Good morning. We've also got Oliver, Oliver Winkleck, who is a street artist who took part in a demonstration in Woburn not so long ago. Morning, Oliver. Good morning. What was the demonstration? Um, the demonstration was with the Bedford Street Gallery. Um, basically, we were all doing an exhibition there, and um, quite a few of us were on the streets actually working. The only difference is we weren't working directly on the, uh, on the buildings. We were actually working on boards. So it meant that the work wasn't going to damage actually what the what it was on to what's the difference oliver between graffiti and vandalism um that's a difficult one um because i think a lot of people would say nothing at all um but i think the difference is you've got to look at the graffiti and see exactly what it's all about um sometimes if it's a a wonderful piece of artwork that's fantastic and a lot of people will admire that and really enjoy it if it's just simply people tagging their name then obviously there aren't many people that will actually physically enjoy that and enjoy looking at that. So I think it's about what, what's been done and people's opinions on it. But art is, is, um, is down to personal taste, isn't it? So something that, that you might think is brilliant, I might go, oh, blimey, that's horrible. Who, who gets to decide whether it's any good or not? Um, well, the artist does and the public. Um, just the same as obviously if you're putting something into the gallery, um, at the end of the day, it is very subjective, as you say, mm. and it's it's very difficult when you are putting stuff on the streets because you're impressing that upon people. Um, you're not hoping that every single person in the world is going to love it, and you know that it's not going to last forever. Um, but at the end of the day, you've put it there because you, you believe in it, and it's up to the public to decide. Isn't that a bit sad, though, Oliver, if you, the, the transient nature of, of graffiti art, that it isn't going to be there forever? Not could, could only be there for a couple of hours sometimes. If, if that, to be honest, I mean, there's sometimes things are only up for probably an hour and then they get buffed in London. Yeah. Um, it, I don't think it's sad. I mean, I think it's sad that sometimes the people that do put a massive amount of effort into their work and produce something that is spectacular and should be in a gallery for people to see for many generations to come, it is sad when something like that gets buffed over. But you, you accept that that is the transient nature. If you're putting stuff on the street, you know that there's that risk that it might only last 10 minutes or it might last 10 weeks. And that's the, that's the nature of, of obviously letting the public or local authority decide. Estelle, it's a mess, isn't it? Well, sometimes it can be. You know, these art vandals sometimes are nothing more than graffiti gorillas. Um, it can be a mess. And also, the question of vandalism actually is, is the least of it all, really. It's almost like a cat roaming around the streets and, um, if you like, spraying its uh, personal odour, trying to own that piece of street. You know, is it right? You know, that there has to be some form or level of where we say, OK, this is where it has to stop. You know, granted, the king of stencil art, Banksy, if he paints on the side of your wall, your house will go up by a quarter of a million pounds. But not everyone is a Banksy. Just no. because you wear a, a jumper with a, with a number on it doesn't mean you're an athlete. He, here's here's a, a, um, an idea, Estelle. Let's, let's bang Banksy up. 
Let's bang him up. I used to like him. I used to think, oh, Banksy dangerous. Now he's just a nuisance. Well, now he's earning lots of money. Now he's one of, of, of the reach elite. Now, now he's one of the, um, the game players. And that's why people don't like him. But he has set a good example to the young people. But, you know, funnily enough, what people don't realise is that Banksy actually started off as a fine artist at art school painting traditional type pictures on canvas, which is why his street art is so good. Oliver, what's wrong with going and getting a, um, a notepad and painting some pictures in that? Why has it got to be done on walls and bridges? Um, well, there's nothing at all. But, I mean, sooner or later, you, you find a piece of A4 paper quite limiting. Um, and really, if you're in this situation where you want to get your work out there and seen by an awful lot of people, then sometimes the only way to do it is to put it in their faces. There's still a massive amount of people in society that won't go into a gallery. Um, and obviously, that might be your only outlet. I don't. I was going to say that because they often have. We heard earlier about these these kind of legal graffiti walls, and yeah. I'd imagine that that removes part of the attraction, doesn't it? If it's a place where you're allowed to do the graffiti, then surely some of the the, the graffiti artists would be like, "Well, I don't want that. I want to do it somewhere that's a little bit naughty." Well, I think I think there is an element to that. I mean, there's a real widespread because there are some people that would market themselves as graffiti artists but would never actually ever dare do anything illegal. Um, to be honest, I mean, nowadays pretty much everything I do is legal because the time that I spend um, doing a piece of work, I need that time. And obviously trying to do it in the dead of night, um, very rushed, watching over your back, is, is not enjoyable. For where, where have you done it illegally in the past, Oliver? Um, I've done it in Canterbury and Ashford and a few other places, mainly around where I live. And what, what kind of buildings? Um, local authority buildings. The, the graffiti I've done is, is always non-destructive. Um, it can be removed if need be. Um, I've done pieces that I've placed in areas that obviously then it's up to the public to decide. I don't always believe in, in, in temporarily destroying a building. I think it's got to be um, something that really people can decide. And everything I've done has been a social commentary and has actually lasted the test of time, which it, has been great. It's still finally, some of it looks quite nice. And, you know, I've seen some graffiti art that you think, oh, yeah, that's really good. I wouldn't want it on the side of my house, though. No, and, and don't forget that some graffiti artists do actually turn good and do society um, some good. If we go over and look at Shepard Fairhey with his Obama posters from the 2004 campaign, you know, with the hope, he started off as a stencil artist painting on the sides of, of uh, buildings of New York, and um, it's nothing new. You know, artists have been doing it ever since the uh, Great Depression in the 1930s, when Roosevelt told the artists to get out on the street and pretty up the streets to get people out working and um, feeling better about themselves so art can improve our temperament but some of this stencil stuff which is just tagging names as your guest said who, who i must say um is one of the few intelligent street artists i've heard so i take my hat off to him um you know is absolutely right it can be put to good use but I, but i think the youngsters that just want to make a mess make it make a mess in your bedroom I still, I still love it art critic and artist thank you very much oliver winkler <coughs> street artist thank you very much indeed what do you think is graffiti ever acceptable? There's me kind of going, well, actually, I think it's awful. But one of my favourite things, if you go to a building like Canterbury Cathedral or St Paul's Cathedral, you will see where people have scratched in their names from, like, 1836. That's kind of an equivalent of the tagging, isn't it? I think mostly, though, I, I frown upon it. What do you think? The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! 
sad news. Ravi Shankar, the uh, sitar maestro, has died in a hospital in the US, 92 years old. We'll find out why he was so popular in the next half an hour. And it's the first time I've been involved in an office secret Santa. I've never had a proper job before. I've got a job. I have to sit behind a computer and pretend, literally pretend I'm doing stuff. I'm doing nothing, but I pretend I am. And I have to get involved with things like secret Santas. I've got to buy a present for a woman. I barely know. Got to spend between five and ten pounds. What have you received as secret Santa gifts in the past? 08459 455 555. We're just talking there about graffiti. Is it ever acceptable? I used to like it when I was younger. I used to think, yeah, that's a really great way of uh, young people expressing themselves. And now I just think, oh, if you do that, if you do that on my, my wall, oh, I will come and knock your heads together, you little so-and-sos. Richard is in Dunstable. Richard, are you a, a, a fan of uh, graffiti? No, I'm not, because generally um, in the most inappropriate place, and as a t- rate payer, I've got to pay a lot of money for that to be cleaned up. I, I did hear the other guy saying he'd done it in non-destructive paints and could be easily removed, but the fact is that it's still costing me money uh, to have the work done, and, and it was needless. I mean, the money could be better spent on uh, looking after old people or... Um, the welfare of children, apart from, you know, all this, all this sort but of... But doesn't it, doesn't a lot of it kind of brighten up dull buildings, dreary b- bridges, arches, all things like that? It, it adds a bit of colour, doesn't it? Well, the, part, the point is, a lot of it, what did the guy say about um, social, his social way of thinking or something? You know, it's maybe not what the majority of people think wants. Um, it's just his idea. And I'm sorry, um... Uh, you know, if he doesn't want to do it on an A4, go and get it on an A3 or a bigger bit of paper. Good argument, Richard. <laughs> You're right, a bigger bit of paper. Have you ever, and be honest, Richard, have you ever scribbled your name somewhere or, 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 or painted something somewhere you shouldn't have done? No, I haven't. Not even on a desk at school? You didn't write no, in, no, Richard was here? When I was at school, um, uh, <laughs> back in the 50s, Oh. Um, you didn't dare do that sort of thing because the, you get a wallop. The, um, we had a we had a wonderful teacher called I think <laughs> I'm, I, I I know um, I bumped into several years ago, but her name was Basher Baines at Northfields and Basher uh, Brains? Baines ba- Basher Baines Baines and it, her name uh, her nickname was Basher. So Wowzers. Um you can you can get as I say you wouldn't dare do that. And then um, uh, you know at fifteen I I I was in the army. A boy soldier. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it there. But Richard, thank you for that. I've certainly scratched my name in uh, school desks with uh, a compass. Ian was here. Is it? It's that kind of stab at immortality, isn't it? That we all want. We all want to leave a mark on the on the earth, however tiny it is. And I like to think that there's there's some kids in Herschel Grammar School in Slough looking down at the desk. And who's this Ian? Why is he spelling his name with an extra eye? Extra eye. What an idiot! There's got to be. We all like to do it, don't we? I'm being told that there's uh, by my producer, who is, let's be honest, let's, she's, she's quite straight-laced. There's a bench in Peterborough where she's left a Tipex message. I was here. That's the thing, is that I was here. You wa- everyone wants to say, I was here. 1996. <laughs> um, Dennis is, ah, Dennis in Dunstable, you can help me with this ridiculous secret Santa I managed to have got myself involved with. Do you know, do you know what women want? Well, I know what my women want, put it that way. Well, you t- you, seven well, young ladies I've got to buy for. And I buy the same thing every year because I've been... Can I, Dennis, Dennis, who are these seven young ladies? 
my two granddaughters. I see. And my grandsons, lady friends, and everything. For a, for a second there, the listener was thinking you had some kind of harem going on well, there in Dunstable. But it's okay. Yeah, so what, what, what do they want, Dennis? Well, put it this way. I've been told under no way have I got to change this. Now, my granddaughters inform me they like Ferro Rocha chocolates, the plain, Ooh. the ordinary ones. <laughs> and I've been told under no circumstances have I got to buy the new ones, which are all different. Okay. They said when it's working fine, don't try and fix it. Yes. So then I give them that, and I also give them a gift voucher. And the latest <laughs> gift vouchers we get these days... Yeah. From the post office of all places, what? you they go to 119 different shops. Yeah. So it's not a case of just buying boots, and that's where they've got to go. I can't, De- Dennis. I can't give her a gift voucher. Imagine the look of disappointment on her face when she opens well, up a card well, and goes, "Oh, it's a gift a voucher." Chocolates, as I say, and stick this on on the top, wrap them, and stick them on the top. Does it, is that re- right? They're shut chocolates. Tell them to give them your back, and you'll eat them. <laughs> Dennis, thank you very much indeed. I, I have. I'm genuinely tempted. It's got to be between five and ten pounds. I'm genuinely tempted to buy, like, a couple of really... The big bottles, maybe three, of, of Coke or Pepsi or something. That'd be about five as well. Get three big bottles. That's about fiver. Maybe even just under. Because I would, I would appreciate that. I would love that. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Bridget is texting. Ian, look at her hands. If she bites her fingernails, buy nail file and nail varnish. Because when I was at work, the secret Santa was humorous. She's got good nails. I can give you that information. She's got, she has got a cracking set of nails on her. Um, Karen in Wellingarden City says, Ian, when my hubby did the Secret Santa, we got the lady some chocks and lotto scratch cards. My hubby got a magic wand that made a tinkling sound. Oh, I hope we get something decent. Like, I hope we get a couple of DVDs. I, no, I do. I want a, a couple of Jackie Chan DVDs would sort me out. You can get those for about five or each. The lady who got the scratch... The lady who got the scratch card won £10. Well, there we go. Fantastic. Now, as we mentioned earlier, sad news. The sitar player and composer Ravi Shankar has died at the age of 92. Major influence on uh, musicians around the world, most famously, of course, uh, with the Beatles. Joining me now is my, my let's be honest, my favourite music journalist to talk to about musical stuff who agrees to come on this show. It's Jonathan Wingate. Good morning, Jonathan. Hi, Ian. Uh, what, what can you tell us about, Rav, about Ravi Shankar? Well, he kind of, in, in, certainly in commercial terms, he invented what we now know as world music. George Harrison dumped him the godfather of world music. And he was probably the best-known Indian classical musician in the world. But there's a fascinating um, influence. He left an indelible mark on music, mainly through his, influ- his influence on the Beatles. You know, the first sitar, as far as anyone can work out, um, in a hit record with Norwegian Wood. That was that was straight after George Harrison had met him, um, and of course the Beatles went on to the Revolver, and then things like Within You, Without You on Sgt. Pepper. So he left an indelible mark on the musical landscape through that. Um, he also com- he collaborated with everyone from uh, Philip Glass and Yehudi Menuhin to George Harrison and the Beatles, which is kind of weird. You can't think of many musicians doing that. And he played at Woodstock and the Monterey Pop. Festival. He is one... He is, to go on a slight tangent, my mum would say he's one of the people that ruined the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> they he, stopped he being the, good once he got involved. Yeah, they, they, I think drugs may have played a part in that. But if you do... Yeah. Yes, allegedly, of course. But if you if you look at uh, the Woodstock film, or the Monterey Pop is, is the one that where it's, it springs to mind, it's amazing to see him sandwich in between, you know, the Buffalo Springfield and the Who. There's Ravi Shankar. And people... 
people going wild for him, uh, you know, as though it were a pop concert. But wasn't, wasn't there some very funny story at one of those two gigs he was tuning up and everyone started applauding? Oh, yeah, and he said... so ignorant. <laughs> yeah, they thought he was actually playing, and he said, yes, thanks very much, I'm tuning up, I'll start the song in a second. I think that was Woodstock that happened, yes. Very funny, and, but, I mean, his influence was incalculable, and he, he, you know, I listened to his music. You know, I'm not a world music expert. Um, you know, he, through the Beatles, I got to know about him, I then went back, which is what people like me do. Mm. You know, I went back and back and back and realised he had this whole history... Um, and so it made the music accessible to a, a rock and roll fan like me, which is, is fascinating. I also think there's a very interesting theory that is unique to me, and it's not about secret centers. Um, it, yeah, you're going to be interested in this. Oh, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm yeah. moving closer, yes. Yeah, yeah, move closer. I'm moving closer. Yeah, are you close enough? I'm, close, I'm closer okay. to the microphone, although that doesn't amplify your voice, but no, go on, yes. But we can pretend that we're in some kind of, uh, what's the word? Room? Yes, mm. that's the technical word, but yeah, it's good. Um, I... I think he invented modern dance music, in effect. Excuse me? Yeah, so psychedelic dance music in terms of what we know is kind of the more esoteric end of house music and things like the Chemical Brothers and Amorphous Androgynous, all that stuff, all the trippy dance music that came about from the kind of early 90s onwards, that's invented by Ravi Shankar, because if you listen to things like She Said, She Said and Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, that's the seeds of that um, of that plant that came from there. And a very musical family, of course. Nora Jones is his, uh, is one of his daughters. Yeah, and uh, Anushka Shankar, who's also a very accomplished uh, musician. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating story, and I think his um, influence on the world probably won't be realised until, you know, for, for 50 years, because in 50 years people will go, what were the Beatles doing hanging out with this guy and learning these esoteric instruments? I think now, we, in a sense, we, do, we, think, we don't think of that as anything odd. But before that, it was all Herman's Hermits and Jerry and the Pacemakers. Those, those kind of people, you know, would have been terrified of um, an Indian takeaway, let alone listening to Indian classical music. You ever, have you ever tried to play a sitar? Uh, I own a sitar. Do you really? I do. Because um, of my interest in Rubbish Uncovered. It's, it's not anywhere near the phone, is it, Jonathan? It's not. Oh, you sly old yeah, dog, you. I know. Can I you actually play it? Because I've sat down, I've been in a room where there's one, I've gone, oh, yeah, this looks well easy. Yeah. And of course, it's not easy. There's not many strings on it, but there's only like one or two or something, isn't it? But it's, it, can you play it? Uh, I would say the honest answer is no. Right. But you like having a bash every now and then? Um, what are we talking about here? This D- there we go, yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, um, I, do you know what? It's an impossible instrument. Yeah. It's an impossible instrument. So I think that was what the Beatles did to people like me. I was a musician before I decided I was going to hang out with musicians and be a music journalist. And it's just an impossible instrument to get your head around. You know, we think of everything in, in sort of quite one-dimensional terms, like a piano or a guitar. This instrument is, is like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube with the lights off. Jonathan, Christmas is coming up. What one CD is on the top of your Christmas list? Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Um, something... Okay, um... I'm not, I'm not getting what, it for you, what, I'm just I'm interested. Glad, yes, Glenn Gould, the Goldberg Variations. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Jonathan, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for that. If you've never had a go at a sitar, it is the most fun, because it's ridiculous. It's, it all works on vibrations, as instruments do, of course, but the string that you're playing sets off loads of other strings vibrating, and that kind of creates a... It's a ridiculous... I know, it's, it's a long shot. If anyone's got a sitar, I know the chances of someone listening to BBC Three Counties Radio actually having a sitar near them, very, very slim, but you never know. If anyone has got a sitar and they want to come and play a little bit on the phone, 
08459 455 555. I'll leave it at that. And do listen uh, to Nick today. To 12, uh, let me get this right. It's the 12th of the 12th of the 12th. And at 12 seconds past 12 minutes past 12, he's asking you all just, to, just take a little snapshot of where you are, what you're doing, what's going on. And then send it in to him, and uh, we'll put the best up on the... Well, I think we'll probably put them all up on the Facebook uh, page and um, celebrate. And speaking... It is a day of celebration today, because we are celebrating football history. We are getting Luton Town Football Club's famous AstroTurf pitch back together 21 years after we first started talking about it and 21 years after the Football League badder. It's not quite that, but we've been banging on about this for ages and we were going to do it last week and uh, we couldn't because of the snow and everybody was was heartbroken. Earlier on, we heard from club historian Roger Wash and now we can go back to our uh, soccer history reporter, Justin Dealey. Justin, what's what's the latest? You're live at Stopsley. What's going on? It, It is freezing cold, I can tell you that much this morning probably a good minus three out here we are live at the Luton Sports Village fans are turning up with their pieces of a pitch from 1991 fantastic, it's all going to be happening a bit later Kingsley Black's going to be here recreating a famous goal, frozen frozen balls uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the, fo- the football's there isn't it yes, uh, quite a few of those yep. this morning, yes the football's here uh, from 1991, we have the football from the, uh, the very last game on the plastic against Derby County now, yes the fans are here we're going to hear from those a bit later. But at first, let's hear from Ray Patton, a.k.a. Astro Man. Ray is the biggest AstroTurf recycler in the whole of the UK. That is some title to have. Back in 1991, Ian, the pitch went in three directions. It was either bought or stolen by supporters. It also went to Whipsnade Zoo, but the majority went to Ray. I've been on a road trip to Huntingdon, the home of Ray's golf club and AstroTurf business. Very soon, we exclusively reveal which film, yes, which film the Luton Town pitch appeared in. But at first I asked him how he ended up with the pitch and the fact that he didn't pay a penny for it. That's me playing that. I do a... <laughs> do that again, Justin. No one noticed. OK, no one noticed. <coughs> Here we go. To Huntington, I asked him how he ended up with the pitch and how he didn't pay a penny for it. Hmm. I took that one away for nothing, yes. That particular one, it's a long time ago, but that, that was lifted, I think, by the club itself... Yeah. because they were hoping to sell parts of it to their fans. So you effectively took that pitch away. You didn't pay for that pitch, but part of the deal was you took it away. That was the issue. The club couldn't deal with having that amount of AstroTurf. That's right. I think what they'd done is they'd um, attempted to sell and weren't as successful as they'd hoped to be. So they were almost stuck with a load of AstroTurf, yes. which they didn't know what to do with. And um, because I was geared up to uh, process it, somebody got in touch with me over it, and I then ended up receiving it. What do you think that pitch will be worth today? Because it was good quality, certainly better than Queen's Park Rangers pitch at the time. How much would that pitch be worth today? Well, if you if, uh, if you discount the actual um, groundworks and so forth, I suppose the actual pitch, probably the material, about 150,000. 150,000 pounds? 150,000. <laughs> then you've got your labour costs and um, your uh, underlay and your adhesives, which mm-hmm. all add up. I wouldn't be far short of 200,000. Now, amazingly, we seem to think that the Luton Town pitch was used in 101 Dalmatians, the film. Tell us more about that. Well, because I process material when it comes in to me, and I have supplied various studios, and I know that um, I supplied um, 
material for the 101 Dalmatians. So Wizard Productions, I think, were in charge of that one. But, of course, we process it and, and clean it up so that it's in excellent condition before it goes out. So the scene where the dogs are on the AstroTurf, we think that's the Luton Town AstroTurf? I'm pretty certain that was Luton Town, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How incredible is that? But you might not recognise it because yeah. we processed it. Yeah. Because when you do process it, when it comes in with the sand in, we desand it, but, of course, it looks a bit... F- faint and worn uh, it becomes fibrillated where the use of it with the sand and um, then we wash it up and uh, it sort of regenerates it and it was suitable for that purpose I'm amazed that we tracked you down, Ray it's so good to meet you, little tingle down my spine looking at your, uh, your AstroSurf warehouse here, thank you so much oh it's my pleasure so, like so, <laughs> Justin did you, Ian. I'm gonna, that's going to be the quote on your, your, when you die on your grave it will say little tingle down my spine <laughs> looking at your AstroTurf <laughs> warehouse yeah. here oh, who, fabulous. can you hear the band in the background oh wonderful, who else have you got there uh, we've got some more fans here, fans are turning up here Carter's here, uh, Carter you are too young to know about the AstroTurf however, you're a big Luton Town supporter and your dad broke his leg on the AstroTurf is that right? yeah he did Yeah, he, um, he was playing on it as one of those You know, when they hire it out and he kicked down on it and um, the next day he fell over because he couldn't, couldn't get up because he broke his leg on the kicking down on the pitch if you ask me nicely you can maybe take a piece of that for your dad take it home for him and you're thinking about getting a Luton Town tattoo is this true? I am yeah yeah. I've been thinking about it for a couple of years I've got one already not a Luton one but I've got one and I'll get, a, get the other one probably sometime next year club badge maybe? no I'm getting uh, the hatters because obviously the club badge changes from time to time but we're always going to be the hatters so oh, yeah. good thinking good thinking Carter good to see you this morning also here is David Turner he's travelled from Meppershaw to be here David thanks for coming along tell us what you've got here oh, you're very welcome what I have here is a paperweight uh, a piece of acrylic with uh, what purports to be a piece of the uh, original plastic pigeonette now not many of these exist I have to say I've, I've not seen many of these no so you say um, that surprises me but uh, I imagine there are some around it's just you know whether people have kept them because yeah. it's uh, quite a few years now of course because uh, the first pitch was at um, famously at QPR yeah. and yeah. we played on that the first game uh, and we won 3-2 I was there yeah. uh, I li- was living in London at the time uh, and following that, uh, that I think that partly persuaded us to get up, get one ourselves but we had a great passing team and you know any, anybody that could pass the ball did well on that pitch Fantastic memories people think we're barking mad for being out here this morning with an AstroTurf reunion but, but take a step onto my pitch go on tell me how how good until the rest of beds, hearts and bucks how good that feels David well it's very even I imagine <laughs> uh, the bounce is, is, is good very now. even now, there's lots of sand on it of course that's what we had to do uh, of course the acrylic on, on my paperweight stops the bounce so yeah. uh, brilliant well it's great to see you here today thanks for popping along ok you're very welcome Ian, there you go. Justin, is it, is it, listen, I'm not, I, I really feel I'm missing out because I don't particularly like football and it sounds like you're having, you know, there's, there's something special going on. Is yeah. there any chance that you and the, the, the fans that are there, you, I, one of the things I do like about football are football chants. Could, could you get a chant going? I don't know. I mean, nil, 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 nil. Anything like that? David, uh, putting you on the spot here, obviously most football chants aren't very clean. Yeah, we want a clean one. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what you're letting yourself in for. Oh, I'm, I'm riding you? the fader. I'm riding the fader. <laughs> <laughs> can you give us, David, can you give us a clean Luton Town charm? Come on. Oh, uh... Olay, 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 olay. We are the town. We, we are, are the town. Olay, 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 olay. We are the town. We are the town. What a great sport. There you go, Ian. We've got the band in the background. We've got the pitch here 21 years on. Come on, what more do you want? Oh, Justin, I want photographs, please. Oh, or it didn't loads happen. of those on the way, don't Brilliant. worry. We'll put them on the Facebook page. Thank you very much. There are a few on the Facebook page already.
<laughs> in terms of chants, I don't know if that was the best. Ole, 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 ole. We are the town. We are the town. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Excellent stuff. We'll speak to Justin maybe a bit later on in the show if we can fit that. I'm sure we can. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR for pictures of that. The Secret Santa. I have to buy a present for a woman at work between five and ten pounds. Marion in Stevenage. Can you help me, please? Good morning. Why don't you buy her a nice manicure set? And ma- that's that's a nail thing, isn't it? A nail file. Yeah. And some nail scissors. Yeah, they, they come in sets. So yeah. If you go into into a, a, a reputable big. Well done for not well done for not saying boots. I heard you hesitate. (laughs) Good for you. Um, But you can buy them, but they're about. You can get some nice ones, six or seven pounds. Marion, say that Sarah from Tring, a a manicure set. You're a woman. Would you appreciate that? I would. I would, but I've got a different idea. Yeah, go on. Um, If you can find out whether she's got an iPhone, yeah, get her a ten pound iTunes voucher. Oh no, that's impersonal. A manicure set's a bit more personal. Well, yes, but most ladies, if they care for their nails, have already got nail stuff. Well, no, but then they always use. They can always use new files and and things like that. It's it's nice, and they, uh, and maybe some they put a a, a clear nail varnish with it. Oh, it's, it's Marion and Sarah. Can, can you see why I'm anxious now? <laughs> you two, you two are having a Barney. Both of your ideas are excellent, <laughs> and you're having a fight about. Well, what I chance do I stand? Well, how, why don't you go to five? Uh, see how much the manicure set, and then put a voucher on top of it. Marion and Sarah, I appreciate your suggestions. Thank you very much. It's a very thorny subject. I don't stand a chance. Morning, dear listener. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've been paying attention, you'll notice that I've kicked the studio apart. I'm slurring my words. I'm so tired. I had such trouble this morning. When the alarm went off at four o'clock, normally, bang, I'm out. Well, I just laid in bed for 15 minutes. Oh, dearie, dearie me, that has to stop. Lots coming up on the last hour of the show, though, before JVS, including a big plan to demolish flats in South Oxy leaves residents worried about their future. They could be moved as far away as Hemel. Find out why shopkeepers are worried, too. It's 21 years since Luton Town Football Club last played on AstroTurf. A week ago, we tried to bring it back together, but we were snowed off. Well, it's back on, and it's happening today. Luton Sports Village in Stopsy. If you want to pop down there and have a look, please do. Go and say hello to Justin Dealey. Give him a hug. He's freezing cold. Got a band there. We've got a fan there. Pop down, say hello, and you might get on the radio. And... What have you received as a secret Santa present? A, 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 a thing I was completely unaware of until about a week ago. I'm in. You've got to take part in these things, haven't you, apparently? I've got to buy one for a woman at work. I've got no idea what to get. So far, you've suggested a manicure set, an iTunes voucher, and some Ferrero Rocher, and a lottery scratch card. Any other ideas? And, and when I say other ideas, I mean any good ideas? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Tweet, eight, uh, text, sorry, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, residents in one part of Watford fear this could be the last Christmas they spend in their homes. People who live in South Oxy have been told their flats are to be demolished as part of a giant regeneration of the town centre, and they could be moved as far away as Hemel. The South Oxy community uh, near Watford was featured on the BBC Two programme The Choir, Unsung Town. Including Margaret and her granddaughter Frankie, they are concerned about the future. No, we haven't been told anything about where we're moving. In fact, we haven't been told anything much at all. It's just that there's rumours going around that we have to move out of the area, and I could guarantee 99% of people don't want to do that. I have a five-year-old son who goes to school round the corner from where I live, and if we was to move off the estate, his whole life at school would be disrupted, and he wouldn't have any friends there, and it wouldn't be fair on him. We don't get towed very much, and things are still on hold, so we don't know what is really happening. We could be moved to any area, which is not what people want. He's only just started full-time, just settled in, just made friends, and I wouldn't want to have to uproot him and start all over again. Everybody knows everybody. You've got a good group of people, and it would personally, I think it would just ruin Sir Foxy. And as they're saying, they're going to put us anywhere. A lot of families have got families here that's been here for years and they don't want to move. It's fine if they want to house me where I want to be, but if they're going to try and move me off the estate, I'd be lost, to be honest. From what the rumours are saying, it doesn't sound like it's local moving. It sounds like it's further away. And I'm not a driver, so I'll just be stuck there. Rob Holland is a chairman of the South Oxy Shopkeepers Association. Morning, Rob. Morning. We heard there that residents are a bit upset and they don't seem to know what's happening to them. How do the shopkeepers feel? Well, it's pretty sad, really, when you listen to people like that. They've lived in South Oxy all their lives and someone wants to come and ruin it all for them, which is pretty sad, really. But from the shopkeeper's point of view, I mean, I go to all the meetings that Free Rivers put on And I'm afraid that some of the information they put down isn't correct. Um, We had a public consultation a few weeks ago, and it says in the Three Rivers Times that 290 people turned up that day. Well, there's in South Oxy, Oxy Hall and Carpenters Park, there's 12,450 houses or flats. So you've got two people in each, that's 25,000 people. Mm. And you've got 290 people turning up. The reason why they don't turn up is probably because they don't know about it. Rob, isn't this something to be celebrated? It's going to improve the area. We spoke to David Gork, the MP, earlier on, who says there's going to be a big supermarket probably involved in the plans that will will drive business there. Isn't that something to be celebrated? Don't you think we've got enough big supermarkets? We've got a huge Tesco in the middle of Watford. There's going to be another new supermarket at the bottom end of Watford. There's Sainsbury's in Watford. You've got Morrison's in... um, Hatch End, you've got another Tesco's in Rickmansworth, and we've got little food shops here. There's 72 shops in South Oxy at the moment, and everybody makes a living apart from one is closed at the moment. Everyone makes a small living, and South Oxy, the community, is where the shops are. What, how does it work with your shop, Rob? I've, I've been told that you've just uh, invested quite heavily in, in the, your lease, haven't you? Well, yeah, we we bought um, we took over a lease from the council and came in and renovated the whole place as other shops on the estate have, not knowing what was going to happen. Mm. Um, they do say that there are going to be some more shops other than a big supermarket for us to move into, but the only major factor there is the rent that we're going to have to pay 
could be astronomic to the rent that we're paying now. Right. Because the council aren't going to set the rent. The partner that they're seeking is going to set the rent. So if the partner that they're seeking wants to get their money back for what they've invested, the people are going to have to... We're going to have to pay more rent, in which case the residents are going to have to pay more for their goods because we're going to have to put the price up of things. Mm. The, the, the people do say that the area needs regeneration. Would you agree with that? And if so, what, what would you like to see happen? I don't think it needs that much of a regeneration. Everybody likes it the way it is. It needed a little tweak to it, a little bit of modernisation. Mm. I mean, they're talking about it costing 300 to 500 million. The country is upside down at the moment. Where are they going to find that sort of money from somebody to put into South Oxy? I'm also frightened that they're going to start doing it, run out of money, and not finish it. Rob, can they do anything? Can the council do anything to allay your fears on this? Well, they've made their minds up. They've made their minds up what they're going to do, um, and they're going to do it. I mean, the governors at the council have decided that's what they're going to do, so they voted for it at the beginning of this year, and that is what they're going to do. How they're going to do it is a crystal ball, really. Mm. Rob, we can't park... When I get to work in the mornings, I can't necessarily park my vehicle outside my shop. Because people park here to go to the station. They go to Carmel's Park Station and get a train into London. Now, when there's another 150 houses, or flats, or whatever, there's going to be another 300 people living here. There's nowhere for the kids to go to school. There's no high school here. There's not a new junior school being built for these people. Rob, listen, well, thank you very much. We've got to end it there. We're out of time. Rob Holland, chairman of the South Oxy Shopkeepers Association. It is what I... Listen, I love, I, I love supermarkets, and I use supermarkets a lot. But I also like little shops, little independent shops, little small shops. And we, 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 have, a, we have enough supermarkets, don't we? Rob makes the point that we, we, we have enough. No one's that far away from a big Tesco or a Morrison's or an Asda or, a, you know... It, is it right to destroy a community to, to, to build a supermarket? I don't know. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Three Rivers District Council um, uh, weren't able to join us on the programme, but Alan Head, who is leading the project, has sent us this statement. All tenants and leaseholders will be treated fairly. We've been having meetings with Thrive Homes to agree a proposal for tenants. Uh, our hope is the accommodation will be provided in the South Oxy area. Shopkeepers and other businesses in the precinct will be offered first options on the new business units. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Here we go. Here we go. Justin's out. He's recreating the Luton Town AstroTurf. And uh, him and a couple of the supporters there started a little football chant for us earlier on. It, it was a little bit uninspired. We've got, got to keep it clean. Young ears listening, of course. But I didn't think it was great. Bob from Alsey. Yes. D- hello. You, uh, d- do you know any b- better Luton Town songs than that? Well, there was one going when I when I went to Wembley many many moons ago. Go on, let's have it. <laughs> and it was um, set to the tune of "When Irish Eyes Are Smiling." Okay, can you sing it for us? Well, the first couple of lines I can remember, but the rest I can't. Okay, well let's let's hear what uh, let's hear what you got there, boss. Come on. And that's when Luton get to Wembley, sure, we'll all be there to see Luton's boys in black and white and captain by the Sydney. Sid Allen, that was, obviously. Um, obviously. But, and that's all I can remember. Oh, is that it? Yeah. But that, I think at the time, they probably made records, and I was just wondering, when you were on about Luton and these mm. songs and one thing, if there's any of your 
listeners out there happen to have a copy of it. They don't. They, this is from the 1959 FA Cup final. Yeah. Uh, and and they do, football teams don't make records anymore. Why? I, I love I love it when a football team makes a record. Well, perhaps there's somebody out there remembers more of it than what I do. Bob, perhaps Bob, I can get in touch with you. Listen, what we're going to do is I want you to sing it again. We're going to record it and we're going to play it to Justin when we speak to him later on and see if he knows the rest of the words. Okay, Bob, yeah. uh, uh, if you could sing it nice and clearly, away you go. When Luton get to Wembley, sure we'll all be there to see Luton's boys in black and white, captained by this Sydney. That's as far as I know. Bob, you're a legend, thank you. Anyone know the rest of the words to that? Let's see if we can finish that song by nine o'clock, can we? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I will get Justin to have a go, but honestly, you do not want to hear Dealey's singing voice. Really will put you off your bacon and eggs this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Can we complete that Luton Town song, please? Jonathan <laughs> Vernon Smith back this morning from nine on BBC. Okay, we know we know when he's on. I've, I've cut your trail short because you're here. And it's, it's, <laughs> no, it, it, people know when you're on. It seems ridiculous. It seems a little bit indulgent, to be honest, to play a trail than to play you speaking live. As oh, it were. Oh, so anyway, you. Yeah, very excitingly, we are doing a Boxing Day special. You're, what's wrong? But this cup smells of mouldy cloth. Oh, that's S- my mouldy cloth cup. Smell yes. that. Oh, isn't it awful? Someone's cleaned this cup with a mouldy cloth. I wonder who that could have been. Disgusting. We are doing a Boxing Day special, y- yourself and I. Yes. And we're recording it tomorrow. We'll, we'll, let's break down the fourth wall and let the kids in behind the curtain. Right. We are recording it tomorrow, and very excitingly, Jonathan and I, for the first time ever, have been allowed to choose a shed load of songs each. <laughs> and I've chosen songs. I'm not going to say what they are. Yeah. But I've chosen songs that I think you'll like. Have you? Yeah, I've done that, because I want it to be a fun experience for you. I want to educate you, because I oh, think you need it. Right. And, uh, I, I, but I think you'll like them, and I think you'll go away whistling a happy tune. Oh, OK. Well, I look forward to that. I've, I've chosen music that I like. <laughs> but Neil Sedaka? Neil Sedaka <laughs> no, there's no there. Neil Sedaka. The Carpenters. No. Uh, but producer Laura did say yesterday afternoon, she said, I've listened to your music, it's so you. It is so you, she said. She did say it was like it was like two different shows <laughs> crashing together. <laughs> yes. So I'm a bit worried. Cause I, all I know is there's a bit of a quiz. Yes, I've got to bring a ukulele, and there are Brussels sprouts. Oh yes, I've got to bring in my my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> if but maybe what you could do tomorrow is instead of just talking us through what you're doing in tomorrow's show, maybe you could sing it. Sing it with my keyboard. Yeah, but let's hope it's nothing about death. Or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be a bit awkward, wouldn't it, really? What would you do if somebody is, died in your streets? I can only play things that have a bossa nova uh, backing. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have to do everything with a bossa nova hit. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It could be an absolute disaster, let's be honest. It could mm. be an awful two hours, in which case, don't listen. Yeah. Uh, or it could be wonderful. I guess we can always warn people, can't we? I mean, yeah. it's a disaster, because yeah. yeah. we're recording it tomorrow. We yeah. can say, look, that Boxing Day thing. Wouldn't bother. I'd, I'd, I'd go and watch a, a film or something yeah. or, or go and listen to a, a record that you got for christmas but if it's if it's good sony gold sony gold sony gold, sony yeah. gold. what's happening on your show today jonathan on the big phone in this morning i'm asking is it best to walk on by when someone's causing trouble oh. two out of three of us would avoid confronting a group of teenagers if we saw them causing trouble that's according to a new survey by YouGov, which says only six percent of the public would def- uh, would definitely intervene if they saw youngsters drinking and verbally abusing passers-by in the street would you intervene 
if you saw youngsters. You have done, haven't you? I've seen your tweets. There were some yobbos um, um, trying to break into a garage very, very late one night in my street, and I turned on all the lights in my house, and I stepped out into the road. I didn't go near them. I went out into the road and pretended to call the police, and they saw me and they scarpered. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 but I, I would think I would. Yes, you'd have to think long and hard, wouldn't you, about your safety? Yes, I've, I'd like to think I would get involved. I've I've always got involved, apart from on one occasion, yeah. and it's always haunted me ever since because I I feel guilty that I didn't. What happened? I was in the supermarket and just doing my shop as you would, standing at the tills, putting yeah. everything on the conveyor belt. Yeah. The next next till along, these two young women. They were probably about seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. They were clearly drunk, really drunk. Mm. They were clearly commoners muck. And they thought it'd be... A lethal combination. Yeah, they thought it'd be quite funny for the pair of them to get on the conveyor belt. And there's this woman sitting there on the till who was about 60, I would say. She looked like a really sweet... She could have been been anyone's mum. She looked really sweet. And these two... Not mine, she doesn't work in the supermarket. These two girls on the till... They, they're on the conveyor belt, they're yeah. effing and blinding, yeah. they're picking up the chewing gums and oh. stuff like that and lobbing it. Yeah. And I stood there and I felt this sense of rage come up, because I saw this poor lady's face. Yeah. And I stood there and for once I didn't intervene. Why not? I went over and got the, got the security guard instead. Well, I don't know what it was about these two girls. There was something I just thought, if I go over here, I, I'm sensing that yeah. this could turn really nasty. But you got the security. That's, su- that's something. Because some yeah, people but I should have gone over there and dragged them off and given them a piece of my mind, you what? grotty women. I should, have, I should have told them off. What incidents have you been involved in then? I've been involved in all kinds of things. I once um, confronted, there were some youngsters yeah. who uh, made a human blockade across my road with golf clubs it's quite middle class where i live (laughs) (laughs) they blocked the road yeah and i phoned the police there are about 14 of them yeah and i they blocked the road i phoned the police they didn't turn up yeah so i phoned the police again still didn't turn up an hour they blocked our road cars were having to drive up on the pavement to get past them yeah so i saw my next door neighbor patch said don't go down don't go i said i've had enough of it yeah so i went down and I and I stood in front of the whole lot of them, and and it's only when you get there you suddenly think, oh my word, what am I doing? <laughs> there are fourteen of them with with golf clubs. Yeah, not on the radio now, Mister Big Shot. Exactly. And I stood there and I thought, well, if you're going to do it, you've just got to be confident, yep. haven't you? Yep. So I gave them a piece of my mind. I said, get in the back garden now. This is ridiculous. I don't know quite where you've come from, but we do not behave like this on this road. This is a very exclusive road. Get in that back garden now. And do you know what? They all kind of. Went, and with that they all filed into the back garden and i came back in i thought oh that's good but but realistically they could have killed me (laughs) so what's your question so is it best to walk on by when someone's causing trouble i want your views from nine on the big phone in on oh eight four five nine four double five five double five thank you very much jonathan on fm am and online bbc three counties radio Thank you, Jonathan. If you want to, if you want to get in touch, good, good idea to email him now. JVS Show at bbc.co.uk. Um, and if you want to listen to the show, I use the term "show" very, very loosely. That we are recording. We're recording tomorrow. Uh, it's the festive face-off. It's on Boxing Day, between seven and nine a.m. Uh, and it, it, it could be a car crash. It could be awful. I think it'll be. I think it'll be all right. I don't know. I'd, we'll, we'll tell you. I'll tell you on Friday. We'll uh, let you have a little, a little. Um, 
Maybe, maybe we'll see if we can get a little sneaky peek or something next week we can play out. Now, people in Milton Keynes have been braving the freezing temperatures this morning to queue up outside the new Primark store. It opens at nine o'clock at MK1 next to the MK Don Stadium. We've sent our reporter, Jessica Cooper, down there. Morning, Jessica. What, what's happening there right now? Morning, Ian. Well, I've been here for the last um, couple of hours, and to begin with, absolutely nothing was happening. But in the last half an hour, so quite a few people have turned up. Still not the massive queue they were expecting, I don't think, but I think a lot of that had to do with the weather. It was minus six um, not long ago, so it's absolutely freezing here. But people are now starting to brave the cold. People are arriving with hot drinks and things because they want to be the first into the new Primark, which is opening Milton Keynes, which is the first one here. And Amisha was the first person in the queue. What time were you here, Amisha? About quarter past seven. Why were you here that early? Because um, I love Primark. <laughs> You must do. Do you feel like there was a need to even get here that early because we've still only got about 15 or so people here? Well, I thought considering it's opening at 9 o'clock in the morning, I thought there would be, like, a lot more people and the queues would be, like, really long. So I wanted to be the first person here, hence why I got up so early. And what are you going to do when you get inside? Shop till I drop. <laughs> and Ali has got the favourite title here of anybody. He is the only man in the queue. <laughs> um, why, why do you think you're the only man here, Ali? Uh, I'm really amazed. I, basically, I was wondering uh, when I come down here, maybe uh, there's a long queue and there's a lot of people because uh, I don't know because there are only women here and it's quite strange for me as well. Are you proud uh, with the only man here? Yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm proud, yeah. I mean, a couple of people here who have been queuing from the beginning, they've been here since about quarter past seven. Quarter past seven? I know, I know. There's no sale or anything, it's just opening today. It's just opening, yeah, but it is the first one in Milton Keynes. Um, So people here haven't had a Primark before. They've had to go to Watford or Hemel Hempstead or surrounding areas. So it's quite a big deal for some people in Milton Keynes. Is there a protest later today in Milton Keynes about another Primark that's opening? (laughs) There is, yeah, that's um, they're slightly different, but there is due to be a Primark opening in the um, Centre MK Shopping Centre, which is a Grade 2 listed building, and a, a campaign group today is handing in an objection letter, um, their 1,212th objection letter, against development plans at the shopping centre, which would see a new Primark being built there, and other changes, including uh, the market moving in a bridge being knocked down. And so that's a protest happening later today, because in future we could potentially have two Primarks in Milton Keynes when until today we haven't had one. Jessica Cooper, I think that's enough advertising for them. Thank you very much indeed. Go and get yourself a nice warm cup of coffee uh, because I, d- I would not want to be standing outside in this freezing cold temperature and, w- and we've sent all of our reporters out to have a little look. Shall we have a look at the front pages of the newspapers? Why don't we? By the way, today I have to um, go and uh, I have to buy a green top for my boy somewhere in Luton. Any suggestions of where I'm going to go? We'll do those in a little bit. We've got some texts on the Secret Santa. I'll do those because I want to run those past Catherine Boyle to see if she'd be impressed if she received any of those. My boy is doing his, uh, his first sort of Christmas play tomorrow at nursery. Uh, I've got to buy a green top because he's a flower. It's not the nativity, though. Why is it not, not the, the nativity? I, I want him to do... I, you know, I want them to do the story about baby Jesus. I'm not religious in the slightest, or not particularly. Um, but I want them to do the story of baby Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? That and Xbox. Uh, the front page of the newspapers, The Guardian. UKIP plans to derail PM over gay marriage. Uh, and uh, there's the, the reports as well on the, the census figures came out yesterday. I love the census. And the next time we have to do the census, I hate filling it in, but I like the results. So... 
in about eight or nine years' time, whenever it is, could you, when I moan about having to fill in the census, could you remind me that I like it when we get the stats out? Because I do find it interesting, the changing face of Britain, but it's that thing of having to sit down and fill it in when it's been sat on the, the windowsill for the last month. And you, you've got to do it because the man's knocked on the door saying, well, if you don't do it, you go, you go to prison. Oh, no, that's the TV licence man. I must do that as well. Uh, the Independent. One law if you're straight, another if you're gay. Cameron bows to backbench pressure and bars the Church of England from marrying same-sex couples. And uh, there's a picture of George Osborne looking very confused as he builds something with a child. Uh, the Times. Church exempted from gay marriage. Legal protection to appease bishops and Tory MPs. And uh, th- th- everyone's gone crazy about this picture of this Sikh um, guard. Uh, uh, outside Buckingham Palace. I don't... Yeah, and next? Um, let's see what else we've got here. The Telegraph. Another picture of the seat guards. Britain has fallen out of love with marriage. Lots of people living in sin. Naughty, naughty. The Daily Mail. Energy bills to soar again. Uh, and they've got a, um, a review of the uh, Spice Girls, the musical. That's on my list of what not to see. Uh, Daily Express. 7.5 million migrants live in Britain. White British, now a minority in London. And The Sun. We are the world. Foreign-born residents up 3 million in 10 years. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 9 o'clock. You are woman. I hear you roar in numbers too big to ignore, uh, Catherine Boyle. I- I'm going to run some Secret Santa ideas past you. Yep. Uh, that have been sent in by listeners. And I... I-, I- I need to know you're any good or not. Okay, is this for me, really? Is this just your way of being rubbish and getting me to approve my own present? Because that's been done before. I'm not that... Really? Who's who's done that? Your husband? Yeah, every year. (laughs) No, I'm not that clever. Uh, Lynn has suggested slipper boots. Okay. Nah. She's more of a marabou marabou heels girl. Okay. Gabriella says a nice photo frame. Mm. Bob says batteries. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> always useful and uh, Marie from Hemel says a scarf with a receipt <laughs> receipts are good I think the receipt is something you should keep okay so but none of those floating your boat mm, well they're all they're all okay okay we can do better call 0845 we can do better 455 555 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Going out in town today. Going to go out in town buying green top, green top for my boy. Present for Jonathan Vernon Smith for this Christmas special. And the Secret Santa. So we've got 25 minutes or so to let me know what I should get. Coming up in the last half hour of the story, we are making history this morning. 21 years after Luton Town played on AstroTurf, we are bringing it back together at the Luton Village Sports Centre in Stopsley. And the Secret Santa's talking about it all morning. What's the best, what's the etiquette around doing it? Do you get a jokey present? Do you get something rude? I'll be speaking to a top etiquette consultant in a few minutes' time. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. But uh, stop the clocks. Let's go back to Stopsley in Luton because we are making history this morning. We are reuniting Luton Town Football Club's famous AstroTurf pitch 21 years after the Football League banned it. Earlier on, we exclusively revealed that the pitch was used in the Walt Disney 101 Dalmatians. Not, it wasn't the cartoon version, was it, Justin? No, no, it's the real deal. It was the real deal. The real and deal. You are live now at the world's first ever, we think, yeah. AstroTurf <laughs> reunion. What's the atmosphere like down oh. there, Alex? 
drink to the atmosphere. It's a carnival atmosphere down here. We've got a band here. We've got loads of the fans that are turning up. As you say, this is the world's first ever AstroTurf reunion. 21 years on after the Football League banned it. We are getting the pitch back together. Lots of people here, Ian, but sadly lots of people who can't be here this morning. They've got work commitments. Here's some of those fans with their AstroTurf memories. Now, Kevin, sadly you can't be with us on Wednesday, but you have got a piece of the AstroTurf. Tell us more about it. I can't really remember, to be honest. We didn't come directly from the football club. Um, we came across somebody who uh, who had some, knew we were uh, avid Luton fans and, uh, and offered us it for nothing. So uh, we've taken it and it's got uh, pride of place on the uh, mantelpiece with a uh, signed uh, Luton football from uh, the early 90s on it. Oh, absolutely wonderful. Do you touch it every day? Does it make you feel good when you do touch it? <laughs> no, I don't think I touch it every day. But, uh, At least so, once a week? Certainly when the dusting needs doing, yeah. <laughs> Pauline, you're from Weymouth, so you can't be in Luton on Wednesday for the reunion, but you have got a piece. Tell us what you got. Well, when they, they dug the pitch up, I was already well away from Luton living in Yorkshire, but when I saw that they, they were selling it off, I uh, sent off and I've got a piece and I've... Uh, well, like, my son's actually got it, but it's sort of mine, really. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just sort of goes with us. It's a piece about, what, I suppose four inches by four inches old money. And you say it goes with you. Do you take it away on holiday and things no, no, like no, that? No, I don't go that far. Yeah. But when we move, it, I always made sure it was in, in the bags and I knew where I could get it. You're proud of it, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I'm a, uh, first, almost my first match was the 59 Cup final. Andy, tell me about the piece that you've got. How big is your piece? Oh, it's about a metre long by about 30 centimetres wide. And that's big. How did you get that? Um, you stole it, didn't you? I borrowed it, <laughs> on a, borrowed it on a permanent basis. And clearly it's a piece of history that you would never throw away. Oh, no, definitely not. It's in my garage in the place where I know it is. So I just keep it there for... Uh, I suppose for... Special occasions? Yeah, special occasions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. Now, Stuart, you haven't got any of the AstroTurf itself, but you've got the AstroTurf strands. Bits of strands that was left on the pitch after that last game of the season, so where people had been picking up uh, and cutting their parts. I just was going along and picked up a few little strips of it and uh, just sort of put it all together. Uh, so it's like a little chunk, but that's that's all I had. Yeah. That's amazing. Where are these strands then? I put them in like a little photo frame. It's like a little tiny frame. So I managed to like put them all in when I was a young young child, and um, the it's like in a frame at home. Justin, has the um, a member of Three Counties staff who lost <laughs> their partner's astroturf? I'm being as vague as I can. Mm. Have they managed to buy any astroturf to replace that? No, that person hasn't turned up yet. Ooh. Who is here? Yeah, go on. Who else you here? Neil's here. Neil has got the penalty spot. We were looking for that for weeks, weren't we? Where was that penalty spot? Neil, you're live on Three Counties. Thanks for turning up this morning. How on earth did you get the penalty spot? Well, Justin, we, uh, as kids, were 15 years old on that final game and uh, all the fans run on the pitch and took the bits that they could pull up from the edges and around the side. We waited for the police and stewards to clear and went on with a sharp implement and hacked it out. <laughs> it's outrageous! Well, you know, I think we got away with it. 21 years later, we've yeah. not been caught. I think so. So where was the penalty spot? In your garage, in the loft? The garage uh, looked after the penalty spot for a few years and then, as we grew up, took it out and it came along with us to uh, new homes and it's just stayed in the garage and now it's up on the wall. 
Clearly uh-huh. very special to you. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. A lot of memories. Yeah, Neil, great to see you here today. Thank you so much. That's uh, Neil. Uh, here's John. Quick word with John. John, you're here as well this morning. John, very briefly, tell us how it feels to be standing on Luton Town's old AstroTurf. It feels like I'm a legend, myself. <laughs> really? Yeah, it absolutely feels great. It, it, it reminds me of the old days back down the town when Luton was a great team, a great players and a great club. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, John. And one more word here. Loads of fans here this morning. So a quick word here with Darren. Darren, you've been playing football with Kingsley Black, the Luton Town legend. How does that feel? That's brilliant after last night's performance to meet Kingsley Black and see him again. It's great. Brilliant. And uh, Kingsley's here as well. Kingsley, thanks so much for coming down for us. You're going to be taking a penalty very soon. This is all rather bizarre. It's what, minus three. We've got the old AstroTurf pitch, an old ball as well. (laughs) It's a strange old thing, this. Well, it is, yeah. I just kicking the football. It's actually quite hard, obviously, because of the cold weather, really. And I think it is the coldest day of the year. So, uh, yeah, generally uh, quite bizarre today. Great memories on this pitch for you. Yeah, wonderful time, really. I mean, um, I think um, I was fortunate to make my debut uh, at home to Manchester United on the AstroTurf uh, over 25 years ago. So, uh, and it was a pitch that uh, encouraged quick, uh, sharp passing football. So, uh, I think we had a team full of players that was well suited to that at the time. Thank you so much for coming down. Uh, pleasure, thank you. Kingsley Black there as well, Luton Town legend. So, Ian, it's all happening. We've got the band here, we've got the fans here, we've got the pitch here. It sounds... Who, who, are the, who are the band, Justin? They I sound should, brilliant. I should be revealing all at about 10 mm-hmm. to. Hopefully there'll be a bit of a drum roll because Kingsley Black will be taking a penalty. We've managed to get a, a goal post outside this building right now. So there will be a penalty happening before 9 o'clock. This is so exciting. Justin, it's wonderful. it sounds absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. We'll speak to you before the end of the show. Thanks, Ian. Good lad. There we go. Justin Dealey. He's, he's, he's come off his holiday to come in and do this. That, that's how much he cares for fake plastic grass. Now, Christmas. It's coming up. Being the new boy here at uh, BBC Three Counties, I thought I'd kind of join in, try and fit in with everyone, you know, so everyone thought I was nice. And I've got involved with this secret Santa nonsense. I, I wish I hadn't. I've got to buy a, a, a woman a present. I don't really know her. It's got to be between five and ten pounds. I don't even know what to buy my wife for Christmas. Well, William Hansen is an etiquette expert and can tell us the do's and don'ts of Christmas gifts for our colleagues. Good morning, Mr Hansen, sir. Good morning, Ian. Thank you for having me. It's, it's absolutely marvellous. You are always my first choice when it comes to these kind of matters. Oh, well, you're very kind. What should I absolutely not get this anonymous woman? Well, you don't want to get anything that you think is hilarious but is actually a little bit offensive. Chocolate and- ding-dangs. Yeah, and yeah. We've had a couple of those a, suggested. I, when, when this idea was put to me but that, that you were going to be doing Secret Santa, I was slightly concerned as to what you would get. Excuse even, me? I'll be honest. That's a little bit rude. Because, no, 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 no. Well, because, yes, 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 yes. Because you've got a great sense of humour, but, but sometimes not everybody else will share that sense of humour that you have. So you don't want to get anything to, that could you know, offend, like a can of deodorant or something that you I think... I feel like I'm, 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 uh, I'm being hit in the stomach with uh, an iron bar that's wrapped in velvet. What, <laughs> what you're saying is no one finds me funny. No, I find you hilarious. I think you're a complete joke. I, I love I love you. I think you're wonderful. <laughs> yes, Hanson. Yes, Mr Hanson, yes. But okay. you just need to be careful of humour. Just be careful of humour. So humour is present. So deodorant, um, as we said, chocolate ding-dangs, those kind of things, they are out of the window. Yes, and also anything that, you know, if you don't know her, her if you don't know her that well, I would question, actually, why, who the person that's organising this secret centre, why they've, they've put you with well, her. It's, but... it, well, well, William, the way it works is you put your hand in a bucket. Oh, you're doing it that way. Yes, okay. and we pull out a name at random. I see. Okay, there are two ways. You can either have have one sort of organiser right. who is doing it, who pairs everyone up, and actually, that's the, I think that's the best way to do it because right. it ensures that actually you are buying some some 
you were buying whatever for someone you actually know well, a little bit about. Can I be honest, William? I don't really know anyone here, and what I do know about them, I, I'm not very impressed. So I, I don't think that would have made much difference. Okay, okay, but you know what you could do there now. Is there a is there a um, money limit between between five and ten pounds? So we're talking about five pounds. Okay, um, you could buy things like you could buy some really nice confectionery, a quality notepad. You know, one of those moleskin. <laughs> you can't buy someone a notepad. I, I, you know, in journalism, I think that you, you people are getting through notepads all the time. <laughs> a really nice address book for their contacts. No, William. Sorry, this is this is twenty twelve. It's not eighteen twelve. Everyone has their addresses on their phone now. Oh, yeah, well, what happens if they drop their phone down the loo, or they, or it breaks, or something? Well, then, then your life is off. over. That's that's what happens. That's the price you pay for living in the technological world. No, no, no. Those ideas won't do at all. Okay, I... you could get a, you could get her a pocket-sized reference book or something. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Because no one writes anymore, for goodness sakes. No, but, no, but a reference book for something you read. Right, OK. Well, OK, here's, um, th- I've got a couple of texts that we've had in. Mm. Um, someone suggested a, a, sl- a giant slipper. Right, OK. Okay. Um, G- Carolyn and Croxley Green says, Ian, I'm in a secret Santa group too. I've bought a lady a nice makeup bag with smellies enclosed. Can't go wrong with that. Yes, you could, yeah, if, if you could buy some nice um, hand soap um, from that shop beginning with M or uh, other, other things, nice liquid hand soaps that, that smell very nice. Anyway. What uh, shop beginning with M? Mothercare? No. <laughs> it's two words. M-B. I don't know if I can say The last word, brown. Oh, mold, yeah, okay, right, yeah, sorry. You're, you're far too posh for me. Uh, Eric says, my wife was given a body lotion gift set last year. I could do that, I could get her some body lotion and then offer to apply it. Uh, Ian, you'll get arrested. I mean, you... That's inappropriate, <laughs> you won't make it to next Christmas. Right, okay. Um, yeah, but, but again, well, I'd be careful with the body lotion, because yeah. again, you know, it's... it's it's intimate. It's that deal, and also it's, it's the telling me you need to wash again. She, yeah, I don't. Want, she doesn't smell. She smells wonderful. Yes, I know she, she probably doesn't, yeah. but she could, especially if she doesn't know you that well. She could take it that way. You, you ever done a secret Santa, William? No, I haven't actually. No. Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you uh, be honest. Be honest here. Yes, mm. I know you are. Do you kind of look down your nose on them a bit? Do you think they're a bit common? I don't. I don't. I just think it's all a bit unnecessary. To be perfectly honest, it's just a sort of another tradition that has that's come over from America that we don't quite frankly need. It was sort of started. We don't quite know where it came from, but we think it came from Amer- from an American philanthropist called Larry Dean Stewart, um, who started giving everyone gifts in the twentieth century, and then just to spread cheer, and then people thought, oh, that's a good idea. But he did it in secret, not not um, you know, not actually just. William, can we can we have a word with you next week and just just kind of um, get some finer points about what to do on Christmas Day if you're not happy with presents and things like that? Yes, that's fine. Would that be please. okay? Yes, lovely, my dear. We'll speak to you later on. Thank you very much, bye Mr. Bye. Hanson. Bye bye. There we go. That's useful advice, I think. A notebook. I can't buy a notebook. Or can I? Two out of three of us would avoid confronting a group of teenagers if we saw them causing trouble. Oh, we'll do that in a second, shall we? We're not, the, the gentleman's not there yet. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get that in a second. We will be going back shortly as well, of course, to uh, Justin Dealey for the, uh, the, the, the final piece in this AstroTurf jigsaw puzzle that we're putting together. We, are, we have created football history by uh, recreating the Lutontown AstroTurf. And uh, a famous footballer is going to be taking a penalty live a little bit later on in the show. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. A couple of quick suggestions. Let me finish these suggestions we started earlier on for the the secret Santas. Um, Eric said the, the the body lotion. The whole thing of smellies worries me, Eric, uh, because you you are kind of saying you're a bit stinky. Mary and Leegrave, would you agree that that by getting someone smellies, you're making a bold statement, aren't you? 
Yes, it could be taken the wrong way. It could be. I've got another one. Go on. A suggestion. Yeah. A little perfume atomizer. It is empty so that mm. you can put your own perfume in it. And it's aircraft friendly. Oh. And there's a perfume shop in the Arndale where you can get them. Yeah. And they are under £10. Hey, that's not a bad idea. So Between 5 and £10, and they come in different colours. Hang on a second. Kate and Harpenden, that's not a bad idea. Is it a perfume atomizer? It's brilliant. I've got two, actually. <laughs> uh, really? Because when yeah. Mary suggested it, part of me thought, oh, that's a little bit 1930s. But th- th- do you use yours then, Kate? Oh, yeah, no, I have one in my handbag when I'm out, out and about, and one that I leave in my travel bag. So you just, you just tip a little bit of your, your Charlie in there. You get yep. your Charlie, pour it in there, and uh, then you can take it out and about with you. Exactly. Hey, Mary, that's not a bad idea. Thank you. Thank well, the, But, Mary, let's listen to Kate. Kate's got an idea for us. Go on, Kate. Bubble science. Um, it's a kit that you get from Topshop. I bought it from Topshop. I'm sure they sell it other places. But um, blow giant bubbles, square bubbles, triangular bubbles, mm. unbreakable bubbles, play lots of bubble tricks, and learn bubble science while having fun. Um, yeah, she's a... Sorry, <laughs> I, maybe right, I didn't make it clear, Kate. She's above the age of 12. Yeah. Well, who doesn't love bubbles? Sorry. Well, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to go into town and I'm going to buy that for my niece and nephew. That's a cra- <laughs> that, that I'm genuinely going to get that. Cause a, yeah. You can make square bubbles. Yeah, there's a, like a grid in it and you blow the bubble into it and make a square bubble. Okay, Mary. <laughs> I, Mary, I work with you in the office. We have a little bit of banter, nothing sexual. It's not like that at all. We're just friends. I get you some bubble science. What would you say, Mary? It would be all right for a party or outdoors, but in this weather. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, as I say, the, the, these, these little atomizers are, are, are great. <laughs> Kate, she's completely poo- the winner, yeah. Kate's Definitely. poo-pooed your bubble science. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, uh, I love it in the summer. Oh, I love it in the summer. With the, the children. Yeah. But, um, as I say, for, you know, sort of... Okay. More personal. These are cracking ideas. Kate, I'm definitely going to get the bubble science for the kids, because yeah. I, think, I think they'll enjoy that Christmas Day. That'll be fun. Mary, <laughs> I'm going to have a little look in the atomizer. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm going to investigate that. Thank you very much for your suggestions. We've, we've, finally, it's taken three hours, but uh, we've got some good suggestions. The atomizer. I like the sound of that. It's classy. It's class, isn't it? A bit class. Uh, she's, a, she's a classy girl, this one I'm buying a present for. Now, dear listener, this is, this is the, the reason that uh, radio was invented all those years ago, back in the 60s. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. We're about to recreate a goal scored on Luton Town's AstroTurf pitch. For the very first time, we have got the entire, the entire, a percentage of Luton Town Football Club's famous Astro pitch back together, 21 years after the Football League banned it. A lot of the pitch went, went to AstroTurf dealer Ray Patton, Whipsnade Zoo, and the rest was sold to fans or stolen by fans. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is live, uh, where fans have been turning up with their pieces of the famous plastic pitch. Justin, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you can hear us over the crowd, the band, yeah, the, yeah. Um, loads of people have turned up. I know it's been a huge success. Party atmosphere. Yeah, party atmosphere. I'm standing right now on a piece of the old AstroTurf. Let me just stand off it. This is me normally. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Ian. Yeah, well, I no, can feel it. I can feel oh. the joy. <laughs> it's pulsing through you. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, so randomly, of course, we had tracked down the pitch. A lot of people still asking the question, well, why are you doing this? Well, uh, we had a random conversation in the office about Eaton Bray. There was talk there of an AstroTurf pitch on the Village Green. So we thought, whatever happened to the old Luton Town AstroTurf, which was banned back in 1991? Lots of fans here. Let's find out some of their happiest memories. Neil, the best game on the AstroTurf for you, what would that be? 
beating Liverpool 4-1 on a Tuesday night. Amazing, wasn't it? Fantastic. And all the big sides were beaten on this pitch. Absolutely. No one. We were unbeatable on that. Yeah. Unbeatable. They just couldn't play on it. Wonderful memories. Thank you, Neil. Going to move over here and have a chat with David as well. David, you've got all your Luton Town memorabilia. What was your happiest game on the Ashford Turf? Uh, well, I guess I'd have to go back to the 2-0 win against Derby on the final day of the season when Mick Harford scored a quite sublime own goal. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure I saw him smile when he did it. <laughs> Apparently he did it on purpose. That, by the way, there is the old match ball that, that Peter turned up with earlier on. That yeah. is the, the match ball from the last ever game on the plastic pitch. How amazing is that? That is fantastic, yeah. It looks great. All these great stories. And here's Darren as well. Darren, briefly with yourself, sir, what was your happiest game on the AstroTurf? It was a 7-4 win against Robert Maxwell's multi-million pound Oxford United back in 1988 before we'd won the Littlewoods Cup. And that was shown live on TV, I think, in Scandinavia, which is why Luton Town have got so many fans from Scandinavia. Yeah, we need a few more. The weather was perfect for them this morning, wasn't it? <laughs> and your memories of buying this pitch, you paid, what, £10 for it like me? Yeah, I, I actually got it for £5 from a car boot sale a few years later. I didn't actually get any from the shop. I think it was sold out and I was just lucky enough to stumble across it a few years later. A car boot sale and Kingsley Black's here as well. Kingsley Black, an absolute Luton Town legend, played in the 88 Littlewoods Cup final. Kingsley, seeing this pitch here today, you mentioned you made your debut against Manchester United, but what was this pitch like to play on? Have you still got the scars now? Uh, well, one or two, actually, yes. I think um, well, what they did at the time is they, they embedded a lot of sand in it, actually. So um, if you were uh, unfortunate enough to make a sliding tackle, not only would you have sort of the, uh, the grass burn side of it, but uh, that the sand could get in the cut and actually sort of rip you like glass. So uh, I've seen some quite nasty wounds uh, for, from sliding tackles on this pitch. And apparently you've still got a bit of the pitch yourself. Yes, when I were taking it up, I thought uh, I'd uh, have a small piece myself, which I, I think I'm now going to make into uh, a mat and have in, uh, a, in, in, in the porch in the front door. So. Absolutely wonderful. Carter's here as well. Carter, you could have been a professional goalkeeper, is that right? Uh, well, if I was a bit taller, they said that I had the capabilities of, yeah. So. Right, OK, get yourself in goal then. OK. Kingsley Black, Luton Town legend, who's turned up this morning, is about to take a penalty <laughs> live... <laughs> Cross beds, it's a drum box. roll, brilliant. Here we go. Come on, Kingsley. Oh, he's missed. Oh. Let's get the ball back. Let's get the ball back. I think we've still got time for this. You've got to be oh, as much time as you want, Justin. Too good for this. I don't think we told you. It was meant to go in the back of the net. <laughs> right, okay. For a second go on the penalty spot. Kingsley Black against Carter at the Luton Sports Village. Yes. He's put the ball in the back of the net. How did that feel, then? That's quite a good early say. I didn't expect him to make a full-length dive on the concrete. We <laughs> <laughs> got there in the end. Kingsley, thank you so much for coming down today. I know that, that you are a Luton Town legend, and you played on this pitch for, for many, many years, of course, and you sold for, what, £1.5 million? And then back then, that was a, a lot of money. Yeah, well, obviously, it's a, it's a lot of money now. So uh, going back uh, all those years ago, it, it, it was a, a big fee and a big transfer fee, yes. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Really appreciate it. There you go. Kingsley Black with some of the fans. The band, by the way, and Thunder, they were here. They are from Berkhamsted, and they've been performing live. Ian, you said to me a few weeks ago, I couldn't do this. Yeah, there I did. you go, my son. I did. I proved you wrong. Justin, you proved me wrong. The egg is literally dripping down my face. <laughs> Can you sum up, Justin, 
how important this has been and how special this has been for you? Well, it's been very, very special because it, it was a very strange project. I went down to Kenilworth Road at the weekend. People were saying to me, what? Why? But to get the pitch back, so much history. I couldn't even go Christmas shopping yesterday in my little sports car because my sports car has been filled up with AstroTurf for the last week. So as a fan, I think a lot of people have very special memories because Luton, of course, now non-league. And when you think back to this pitch, all the big teams, the Manchester United's, the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, they were all beaten and beaten convincingly on this pitch as well. Justin, congratulations. You did it. You made it happen. Well done. Now, can we stop talking about AstroTurf, please? Thank you, Justin. Excellent. Well, we got there. Someone has just suggested, Giles, says, Ian, get your secret Santa recipient a penguin onesie. I'm not, I'm not going to get a onesie. I'll be back tomorrow at six. Jonathan's up next. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.